What's up, Power Project fam? This episode is brought to you by Element Electrolytes. Speaking of Element Electrolytes, I actually wanted to ask you, Ensema, you being all jacked and tan and all strong and pretty, uh, <laughs> do you take your Element Electrolytes pre or post-workout? I actually take it uh, pre, during, and post. Oh. And sometimes I'll do more than one pack. So if I finish the pack of Element that I had during like my workout or my jujitsu session, I'll pop out another one, sometimes post. And that hydration really helps my recovery. Because sometimes after you get done with a really hard workout when you are sweating a lot, you feel sore, you feel kind of tired, and you feel mm-hmm. drained. There is absolutely no problem with taking more than one pack of Element. Yeah, I'm really interested in trying it like uh, intro workout, right? I've always I've always been one of those guys that's like, oh, you got to have your, your pre-workout and then your post-workout. And in the middle, it's like usually water or something, right? But now with Element Electrolytes, from what Rob Wolf told us about how it like maintains strength and all this other just amazing benefits, I'm just, I'm really stoked about it. And uh, if you guys want to be like us, we actually like getting the value bundle because you essentially get a box for free. But if you're not ready to fully commit, Element is still offering you guys a free Element recharge pack. So that's an eight sample pack. All you have to do is cover the shipping. Um, you can do so by heading over to drinklmnt.com slash power project. Again, it's absolutely free. You just have to cover shipping. Make sure you guys go there and check it out right now. What up, Power Project crew? This is Josh Settledge, a.k.a. Settlegate. Here to introduce you to our next guest, Brian McKenzie. Brian McKenzie is the founder and creative director of Power Speed Endurance and is also the co-founder and creative director of MyState LLC. MyState LLC is a technology-based company that specializes in the delivery of science-based protocols to optimize physical, emotional, and cognitive performance and health via breath practice. Brian McKenzie is also the president and co-founder of the Health and Human Performance Foundation, a nonprofit organization dedicated to researching how breath and innate tools can optimize and help health and human performance. Brian McKenzie is a pioneer in the development and application of custom protocols to optimize human health and performance. His work harnesses and integrates respiratory, movement, strength, conditioning, and endurance-based training approaches to elicit unprecedented positive results. His protocols have been used to accelerate and raise both mental and physical performance in world-class Olympic and professional athletes, top executives, and elite military operators, as well as to improve the health for people suffering from various chronic and pathological issues. Brian's work is voluntarily and repeatedly subjected to rigorous third-party scientific testing, retesting, and improvement. His work has been contracted by various institutions, including Stanford University School of Medicine, California State University Fullerton, and San Francisco State University. Brian is himself a highly accomplished practitioner. He has completed the Ironman race in in Canada in the year 2004, completed both the Western States 100-mile and the Angeles Crest 100-mile runs using adapted training protocols he developed to improve performance. He is the co-founder of The Art of Breath, a division of power, speed, endurance that teaches a principles-based approach to breath and performance. Brian has also co-authored the book Power Speed Endurance, the New York Times bestseller Unbreakable Runner, and Unplugged. Unplugged is a book which assesses the integration of emergent technology in human performance. His various programs have been featured in Outside Magazine, Men's Health, Runner's World, Triathlete Magazine, Men's Journal, ESPN Rise, as well as periodicals such as The Economist. Brian and his protocols have been featured in two of Tim Ferriss' New York Times best-selling books, 
including the four-hour body and tools of titans. Brian has worked with various athletes around the world, including Ari Emanuel, Dr. Kelly Sturette, Tim Ferriss, various branches of the U.S. military, including the Navy, Army, and Marines, Canadian military branches, surfer Laird Hamilton, CrossFit Games champions Tia Claire Toomey and Rich Froning, and as many of you guys know, if you're a fan of the Power Project, Mark and Seema, Andrew and myself are huge fans of John Bones Jones, and Brian McKenzie has had the pleasure of working with John Bones Jones in the past, but that is a different story. Please enjoy this conversation with Brian McKenzie. Andrew, trying to record Hardwired every internet. move. Oh my gosh, this tastes so good. So, you know how we sometimes put the chocolate almond and coffee? Let's record it. Let's record it. We're oh, recording okay. now. Oh, we're recording? Yeah. All right. So, I wish you guys heard the collision story. That's for another day. But I just put chocolate almond and coffee. But I also had uh, some of that fat-free or not fat-free, but calorie-free uh, coffee, mate. Mm. So, it's like salty and sweet. Oh. It's like perfect. Oh. That's Delicious. That's the trick. That's the trick. Yes. I like it. Mm. I like it, Natty Professor. This uh, element stuff's no joke, <clears throat> getting that little extra sodium in there. Um, Jesse Burdick was just telling me, actually, on the phone today, because, you know, I, I've told you guys before, I have some issues with my sleep, and he was like, you know, hit up one of those packets before you go to bed. I'm like, I do all kinds of stuff, but I haven't tried that yet. I haven't done that, because he said a gram of sodium before you go to bed uh, might help you hold it together a little bit more in your sleep, because uh, sodium can help you to uh, kind of hold water, so... Anyway, uh, today's going to be awesome. We got our boy BMAC on the show. It's been a long time since I've, uh, since I've seen him, so even seeing him via Zoom will be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, it must have been must have been like eight years ago. He came into the gym, and he wanted to learn wow. about getting stronger, and um, I knew that he was a runner. I knew that he was somebody who did like a 100-mile run or something, mm-hmm. and I was like, this guy's out of his mind with this deal. And, uh, even back then he was kicking around, like looking, looking for answers. And, and I admired that right away. Cause like, you know, a runner coming in and visiting a power lifter. Uh, I thought that was cool. Then also he was friends with, uh, Kelly Sturette. And, uh, on day one of him being at super training, we did some chain suspended good mornings. And I've shown you guys like Ooh. the kind of weights I used to do on, on that. Yeah. So here I am, you know, 300 pounds and here's BMAC, you know, 106, two and 180 pounds or whatever he is. And uh, we're doing good mornings back and forth. And I think he's just like, what in the fuck <laughs> am I doing? Like, why, why did I come to this? You know, why, why did I, why did I even ask a question? I'm like, you need a stronger back. You know, you need to, you need to be able to squat bench and deadlift. And anyway, it was, uh, we had a good time that day and uh, look forward to talking to him today because he is now, you know, one of the leading guys we keep hearing his name being mentioned over and over again. Uh, when it comes to breathing, I mean, people are talking about Wim Hof and now they're, they're, they got McKenzie in there and they're talking about uh, a few other people in the space. So it'll be great to have them on the show and uh, hopefully we can get some more awesome answers for ourselves selfishly yes. and for the audience. No, I'm uh, super excited for this one because, you know, we had James Nestor on, which was awesome. We had Patrick McEwen on and he, Patrick was great because he also talks about breathing and performance, but Brian is an athlete. Like he's done a hundred mile marathon. He's done a lot of CrossFit he takes all of these breathing techniques and he specifies them for human performance and athletes. And these guys do too, but he's a guy that's in the space really competing, right? Yeah. Or he was competing. So it's going to be super awesome because I think when you listen to this episode, you're going to get a lot of literally things that you can apply today to your athletic performance 
that's going to help you out in your trading and probably tools. I have a lot of, I have a lot of questions of things that I've bought that I want to see if he thinks they're legit or not. I'm <laughs> I'm excited, man. I'm All excited. the, uh, the, the breathing machine or whatever from, uh, James Nestor that had, rec- he had recommended or you have it here. Mm. Oh, I brought it. I got to put my mouthpiece on it though. But yeah, this is the, <laughs> I was like, what am I? Okay, <laughs> this sorry. is the yeah, respiratory uh, trainer thing. Cool. Yeah, yeah, and I've been talking with, we had Dr. Gold on the show recently, the dentist uh, that taught us about vitamin D and vitamin K and talked a lot about sleep and breathing as well. It's, all this stuff is, it's, it's all very much intertwined mm-hmm. and uh, you can't really talk about breathing without ending up talking about sleep and you can't really talk about sleep without talking about breathing. I mean, just, you know, very simply, if anyone gets lost during any of this, like, just go back to the basics, like figure out a way, figure out a time in the day, like forget about meditation and forget about making everything. You don't have to make anything complicated, but do yourself a favor. Find a couple of minutes, whether you're on a walk, it'd be preferable if you're sitting down, just uh, chilling for a minute, not on your phone. It, It will literally only take several seconds. It won't take that long. Try some box breathing, just four or five seconds in. A little bit of a hold, whatever you're comfortable with, blow the air out four or five seconds, hold that for whatever you're comfortable with mm-hmm. and repeat like 10 times, mm-hmm. you know, and th- these kinds of things, messing around with these kinds of things, not only going to help you with your athletic performance, it's definitely without a question, without a shadow of a doubt is going to uh, release a lot of stress and it's going to kind of just, just reset your brain for a moment. I think everyone could agree, like we could all use a moment, a moment to mm-hmm. ourselves just to kind of just to kind of let, let shit go for the day. And so if you get confused about some of the shit that we go through on this day, uh, hopefully you can at least remember that one tip. Yeah. Um, I think also he'll probably talk more about it. I'm going to let him speak more about it, but he does have an app that's really cool. I think it's called, if you type in state change or something on, uh, on the app store, or it's type, type in state breathing or whatever, it's going to pop up. And it's very mm-hmm. simple, actually. There's there's different breathing settings for like when you want to wake up, uh, when you want to calm down, when you want to go to sleep, mm. and something else. Oh, yeah, state breathing. Oh, it's a good app. I have it. I used it this morning. Mm-hmm. Sick. <laughs> um, and it's cool. Like, guys, before Brian gets on, just go download the app. Just download it. Do some so, breathing. But like, what does it do? It just yeah. coaches so, you through it? or It coaches you through different types of breathing. That'll help you like in different states. So if you're trying to wake up in the morning, there is a breathing technique for that. But then also, um, depending on how you do with those techniques, after like a day or so, if you thought it was easy, it'll make it a little bit more difficult for you. If it was a little bit too hard, it'll make it easier for you. So the cool thing about that is that everybody's app looks a little bit different with their skill level in terms of their breathing techniques. It's dope, right? That's cool. Yeah, anytime like I've tried... Uh, like uh, box breathing, you know, mm-hmm. whenever we've had various guests talking about breathing, I feel like uh, my normal breathing is like pretty, like it's okay. But then when I like, okay, I'm going to try box breathing, I all of a sudden lose my breath instantly, uh-huh. you know, so I kind of psych myself out of it. But yeah. maybe an app probably make things a little bit easier. People love apps, makes things easy. <laughs> yeah. I got to give props to my boy, the Natty Professor over here, because uh, some of the stuff you sent me on stretching, mm-hmm. like the way that you walk people through it, it's fucking great, man. You did, oh. a great, you did a great job with it. Thank you. So I appreciate that. Anybody that wants to be a smooth panther, but like the, just the way that you talk and the way you explain it, it, um, like, I think you sent, you sent me some clips of other people doing it. And I was like, this is, this isn't as good. Like I need a natty <laughs> professor here. Like, where'd he go? Where'd the smooth panther go? Yeah. 
I'm I'm losing the I'm losing the vibe, you know. I, I had like a chub going for a minute there, and then it, everything got me- then it switched over to like some girl doing like a stretch on a box or something. I was Come like, oh on, man, oh. I thought we had something going there for a second, and then then it went away. Yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, glad you enjoyed enjoy it. Jo- doing a great job with it. Thank you. Oh yeah. B Mac. Yep. Who, who would run a hundred miles for what? What did you see? What Goggins is doing right now? Like the uh, oh, uh, I'm, it's fuck. <laughs> He's it's, fucking crazy. Yeah, I can only it's imagine. Like four, let me look it up right now. Is it four hundred? Is that <laughs> what you're about to say? <laughs> Hold on. It's like every four hours for forty days. I some crazy talking. something. Something. He uh, he really is a maniac. I, from my understanding, is like there's people that like get on his show and there's people that talk to him and he has you know we've had him on our show but like. He like try, tries to rope people in, you know, he's like, oh, hey, well, I'm doing this thing. And, and people are like, yeah, yeah, you're cool and all. But like, I don't, <laughs> but I heard uh, Lex Friedman the other day saying like, I'm, I'm avoid, he's like, I'm really, he's like, honestly, he's like, I'm avoiding the guy for a little while. He's like, yeah. I know he wants me to do something crazy. Dude, Here I think is. Lex so, Friedman wanted to do like a thousand pull-ups a day, right? Or right. So, something crazy like that. And the goggles like, I'll double you. Shit. I'm going to do, I'm going to do double of what you're doing every single day. <laughs> <laughs> Lex was like, why? So it's four by four to, by yeah, 48. Fine. So four miles every four oh, hours yeah, yeah. for 48 hours. <sighs> wow, that's what? Oh, here he is lifting with Cameron Haynes. Four, four, 48 miles. Four miles, what'd you say? So uh, I was looking at, uh, so four miles every four hours for 48 hours total. Hmm. Yeah, that means you're waking up 12 times to do four miles every 12 times. That means you're doing 48 miles in 48 hours, but you're only getting four hours of sleep at a time. That's rigorous. So it starts March 5th. Oh, my God. I like the... uh, I like he has a cost zero dollars. (laughs) Yeah. I like the... uh, There's something cool about the consistency on that. That's interesting. Like, you know, forget about... It's obviously a monumental task to be able to do something like that because you'd have to be... You got to be trained up for something like that. You can't really just go and do that out of nowhere. But just imagine applying that to anything and even bring the numbers down a bit. Like it would still be difficult. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, do it with like walking or reading or writing, journaling. I mean, even just to get up and just to mm-hmm. <laughs> doing one mile. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, actually, I think a lot of us, we, if we could maybe do a mile. But that'd still be hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, and could you imagine after, like at the aftermath, like it would, we'd be hurting. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I don't run. How many miles would that be? That'd just be twelve miles for us. Twelve miles. Okay, so it's twelve different. Yeah, mm. but for him, it's forty-eight. That's <laughs> what I, I, I've always liked uh, CrossFit for doing um, like every minute on the minute because it's yeah. only like yeah. do X amount of burpees every minute on the minute. Oh, I can do you know ten burpees, but then it's like do that for you know whatever like 10 minutes straight i think we're gonna see more stuff like that in our future uh get more popular Mm. you know people have an access to small duration workouts they're real short short and easy nice smelly what's going on man what up dude you are you cruising by super training gym to do some uh chain suspended good mornings today (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna i thought i was gonna be the first one to bring that up my hamstrings are still sore (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was an epic day i remember i remember yeah like it was like maybe two weeks afterwards you're like man i it's like i don't know what happened but like i'm pretty fucked up <laughs> yeah we just kept warming up <laughs> and then and, and and then you started the working set and i was already done <laughs> 
Hey, it's great to have you on the show today. Uh, it's been a long time coming. We just keep hearing your name being brought up every time we're talking about uh, recovery, every time we're talking about breathing, your, uh, your name. It's, it's super annoying. Your name keeps getting mentioned, and I'm like, all right, well, we need to finally have this guy on the show. We need to just get this over with. So here we are. <laughs> here here we are. Well, I, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to see you. Um, pleasure to, you know, talk about this stuff we're uh, chipping away at. I heard some great things. And one of the things I heard was, uh, which, which made it, you know, when I, when I was setting up this podcast and thinking about it, I was like, all right, well, we need to figure out a way for the audience to get the most out of it as possible. Because I've heard that in your seminars, uh, Kyle Kingsbury was talking about how it's like a three day seminar and you guys walk everybody through, through everything, which is great because sometimes when it comes to some of these, uh, things that we're trying to do to gain an advantage when it comes to athletics, it's one thing to hear someone talk about it, but it's totally different when you actually experienced it. So uh, my understanding was you talked about like hot and cold therapy, talked about all different kinds of ways to recover. Obviously you talked about breathing since that's one of the specialties that you really leaned into. Uh, what can you tell us a little bit more about the, those seminars and have you been able to still do them with uh, the different things that are going on now? Um, well, <laughs> the seminars have not been going on lately we we've moved to more of a webinar format got it um and i, I mean i'll be honest i i miss that stuff so bad like like and i, I mean you, we can all attest to it i mean this thing this whole thing's had such an impact and i mean i was an in-person kind of teacher like you know talker speaker yeah you're like, animated I, yeah. I enjoyed that you know and it made it, it it fulfilled my life a lot um so it's been a real weird transition but we've been able to we, we already had part of the part of what we do online as a course the art of breath the, ba- the basics of it as an online course that we spent enough money on to do a, a, a fair enough job in having that and then we've got enough of the programs embedded as programs for exposure work so heat and cold and then we've actually definitely we're, we're really starting to move more into the mental side of this thing where we think you know, we don't think, I mean, this is, this is where the whole, where everything's starting to go at this point, but the ability to, you know, really tap into how you can, you know, work better with your mind um, and, and how much breath control actually plays in that. And what are we actually doing with training and why is training applying? Because, you know, you know the interesting thing here is that breathing or breath control or hot and cold therapy they're not necessarily recovery agents. They're actually stressors. Mm. And, and, and this is how, I mean, this, this, this is what I used, you know, when I, when I was really embedded in kind of the strength and conditioning stuff because of the endurance world that I was in, and we, we added strength and conditioning to that. We found that strength and conditioning was actually the fastest way to get an endurance athlete to actually rebound after a big event. Mm. It just wasn't doing a mark, you know, going to Mark's, <laughs> gym and, and doing heavy change good mornings it, it might be a little lighter than that right but it was still utilizing the concepts of strength and conditioning and, and if you really look at the physiology of it oh wow like if i you know i stimulate the muscles and the cells in this way i'm gonna get an anabolic reaction versus this catabolic reaction that happened over here right so when we got interested in this whole thing it really was because it was out of just sheer 
like kind of coincidence or just freak accident. Like somebody tossed me a training mask and said, try this. And I laughed because I was like, this doesn't change barometric pressure. It says elevation on it. There's nothing about elevation that's going to change. Like if my O2 sat doesn't change, there's nothing happening with my my physiology. I, I had screwed around with elevation and, and altitude for, for quite some time already. But I was questioning something and not that I hadn't even tried, right? So I put the damn mask on and I can have some arrogance around stuff like that sometimes. Nonetheless, I still put the mask on. And when I put it on, I sat up to draw a breath in. And I instantly was just like, my head blew apart because I was like resistance to my diaphragm, organized spine, organized trunk differently, move differently. Like, I was like, holy crap. Like, what if I just gave this to athletes to warm up? And now we've got the ability to get somebody to, to move better because the diaphragm is actually the epicenter of life for us. It's the most important muscle we got. You don't got it. If, if you're not using it, you're on an iron lung or you're dead. And, and so it's responsible for how we're organizing that spine, how the rib cage is really functioning, and especially how oxygen is actually moving in and out of the system. Yeah. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned the mind. And I think that's interesting mm -hmm. that you, that you said mind because the brain kind of, uh, morphs in there too. You know, you got your mind is like, um, you know, you telling yourself that your foot hurts when you're running and to like shut it down or whatever. But if we're not if we're not getting the uh, air that we need through running or through sleeping uh, or through just our day to day, we're not using our uh, respiratory system the way that we need. You actually can be negatively impacting the brain as well, right? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. If you're not actually getting enough oxygen to the brain, which can happen as a result of this, it th this may not show up as a big deal at first. But over time, it can be. And so by this, there, there's a dissociative curve that exists with oxygen, carbon dioxide. Think of it as a yin-yang, right? E the e Eastern medicine philosophy is, is yin-yang, right? There's a balance to everything. The hemoglobin actually prefers to have carbon dioxide on because it's the transport mechanism for every for that co2 out right and so co2 becomes one of the byproducts of cellular respiration among a few other things but it's important to understand that we've kind of demonized co2 as a waste product probably unconsciously or just through just general lack of wanting to take it deeper but this simple concept is known as the bohr effect and a lot of people talk about it, but this dissociative curve exists in order for us to actually optimize oxygen. It's the difference between a free diver holding their breath for like seven, eight, nine, ten minutes versus, you know, three of us probably holding in, you know, the less than five minute range. Right. And then even other people who can't hold their breath for a minute. Well, what's that mean? Well, you're since since CO2 is actually the mechanism that's triggering our in our brainstem to breathe that unconscious byproduct is me taking 20,000 breaths a day very few of us have enough breath practice or breath work to where we're controlling thousands of breaths a day right 
It's just like, even when I go work out and I'm working, like every workout I do pretty much works around breath control at this point. We can get into that a little later, but that even in that workout, I'm limiting the, the breaths I'm taking in. That's nowhere near the thousand. I'm not going to be anywhere near the thousand mark. Right. So, but you're get you get about 20,000 breaths a day. And so if those are, if I'm overly sensitive to CO2, I'm over breathing. And if I'm over breathing, it's not that I'm not bringing in more oxygen. I'm actually moving out more CO2. So the oxygen has not enough or it's not as efficient as it could be. So over time, the mind inevitably, the brain inevitably gets affected by this. But the other big component here is that when I take a breath, it's far more than just air that's moving through here that we've shown uh, you know, fMRIs of people breathing, and what happens is is that blood and cerebral spinal fluid are actually moving through the brain as a result of this diaphragmatic experience in the brain area. And so as I inhale, c- cerebral spinal fluid comes in, and as I exhale, blood goes in, which means the c- the cerebral spinal fluid is pushed out. So this is that cleanser of what's happening or in and around the brain. Right. And so there's a very deep interaction with this stuff that, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not coming up with per se. This is literally like, we're talking thousands of years old. It's just been said in a very fun, funny, esoteric language called Sanskrit. (laughs) Dude, oh man, there's there's so many questions I want to ask you now that I don't even know where to start. But I think the most I'm so I'm sorry. This, this, this typically <laughs> happens. I'm sorry. It's and, all like, good. and I'll try and get as basic as possible. No, it's all good. But okay, so I guess the first thing, since you were just mentioning, you know, the amount of breaths we take per day, um, and how we overbreathe, right? As a population, mm-hmm. a lot of people yeah. are anxious. So and then when they get angry or sad, like whatever during the day, their breath responds to it, right? We had Patrick McKeon on the show sometime last year, and he was talking about how, yeah, we're, we overbreathe. Um, you know, he was talking about the concept of actually having air hunger and diaphragmatic breathing. And the reason why I want to ask you this is because I've heard you on a podcast mention that, you know, we take 26,000 breaths per day. And I heard you mention right here, it's around 20,000. So when it comes to the amount of breaths that people, I guess, should be taking per day, um, if you're not overbreathing, Naturally, you're taking less breaths. What do you think is the amount of breaths that the general population that is not breathing correctly, how many breaths do you think they take per day versus someone who has the breath control that you're speaking about? And what are the things that we can do to have better breath control? I'm not text messaging anybody right now. I'm just going to do some simple (laughs) math for it. I'm going to do some simple math. (laughs) Um, Here's a calculator. The general population is, so here's what's being called normal now. Mm. 20 breaths a minute. Oh, you guys want to do 20 breaths a minute real quick? Yeah. You're going to, you're you're going to hypervent. You're going to feel hot. You're going to feel hot. Yeah. All right. So we don't need to do it because it'll just waste a minute, but you'll feel high. Anybody can go do that. Mm. They want, right? Like Wim Hof, like Mm. 30 breaths. You usually do that in about 90 seconds Mm. during Wim Hof practice. 30 breaths, that's 20 breaths a minute. So now, granted, these breaths that people are taking are not in excess of full tank, right? They're more like, but 
if I'm 20 breaths a minute, so that's by one hour, there's 60. So there's 1,200 times 24, 28,800. Wow. That's general population. Right. Like mm-hmm. I, when I've measured me, I've got like, I've got some pretty accurate medical uh, pulse oxes that are doing enough light, you know, like stuff I've spent way too much money on just to like, because it built, you know, it's better than the $20 pulse ox. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen in and around, you know, eight to 11 breaths a minute for me. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty low. Right. Um, there are, there's yogic text that talks about six breaths being, basically where the sweet spot is. And then at three breaths, you're in tune with nature. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how the fuck you're getting there, but you're just sitting there doing full Lotus controlling your <laughs> breath all day. And I don't, you know, like I've got stuff to do. So I'm living in a, you know, a, a different world now, but nonetheless, there's your numbers, right? Like, so 28,800, roughly 29,000 breaths a day. Right. So that doesn't mean more oxygen. That means less oxygen. That means tissue, joints, heart, lungs, like every organ we've got is actually not being utilized efficiently. So stress is higher. We've moved the needle more towards, and I'm not trying to, I'm not demonizing carbohydrate, but it moves the needle more towards higher carbohydrate use. So we move more towards that glycogen marker. Okay. The body does not care. Here's a very important thing. The body does not care how there's not enough oxygen in the environment for the cell to use, whether that's from metabolic. So if I stand up right now, like I just did, right? (laughs) There wasn't enough oxygen in the area for my legs because my breathing rate is probably down, right? So I don't, so it automatically shifts more towards some anaerobic activity. But it'll normalize because my ventilation rate will pick up at some point to, to, to catch up with that, right? Well, what if I restricted that? And I actually played with that a little bit. Like, maybe I just shut my mouth instead of opening my mouth. When's it become necessary to do that? You know, and, and so there's this, this whole movement towards, you know, strictly nasal breathing. And We've never stood at the at the line saying everybody just needs to nasal breathe. There's a time and a place for everything. And I think within inside, especially, you know, your guys' world, there is need for mouth breathing. But, god damn, would there be some easy stuff for you guys to do metabolically just by shutting your mouths a little bit? And it would change so much, <laughs> especially, well, at least from what I've seen, right? What are some so, of those easy things? <clears throat> Like push a sled, right? Like the old concept of go push a sled, don't open your mouth. Just push the sled. And when you need to open your mouth, stop. So would you, so do you suggest, you know, pushing a weight that a lot, that allows you to to do it in somewhat of a comfortable range, right? Like, you know, you don't want to stack on tons and tons of weight and make it some big max effort. And and for most guys, and I mean, look, man, I've been to powerlifting meets. Like my dad's, I used to, I did powerlifting when I was much, 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 much younger before we even met. Like I've seen, I've been seeing people at powerlifting meets. Some people should probably start just by walking, go for a walk and shut your mouth. Because if you need to go on O2 concentrators when you're somewhere or, you know, like, and this is something you'll see at these meets is like guys going on O2 (laughs) concentrators. It's not an O2 problem. Right. It's a CO2. Like the amount of mass you're carrying requires more energy. We all know that. 
Okay, so what's the byproduct of that ma- that mass? CO2. It's your carbon carbon dioxide, the offloading, right? So maybe shutting your mouth and even just like walking a hill might be a good place to start if you're a bigger correct. guy and you never practiced it. Correct, correct. And that is exactly where we start with most people, even elite athletes, man. It's like, look, just kick the humble pie right now. <laughs> start here and let's see what happens in a few weeks. And oh, you got it. This got a lot easier real quick. Yeah. That's aerobic efficiency. You uh, you mentioned some of the uh, like the, the damage that can be done when you're over breathing. Um, mm-hmm. Is there, is there something that maybe someone's not thinking about? Like, basically, I want I want you to, like, scare the population straight, because I'm sure <laughs> yeah. a lot of people are yeah, just yeah, yeah. like, so uh, oxygen's yeah. free, so I don't care. This won't, mean, this won't mean, like, less muscle mass. This won't mean less strength. This will only mean more strength. But, yes, you can overdo it and become an endurance athlete if you decide that you're going to do hour-long workouts aerobically, right, versus, like, hey, maybe you just shoot for 20 minutes, right? So, here. What do we know DOMS is now? What do we, what do we know it is? Like what, yeah, yeah. Well, what, what is it? What, like, so what is research now saying that DOMS is? You know, we've just gotten recent research on this, right? That it's the, basically the nerve endings have been cooked, right? Mm-hmm. So they've, and they need to regrow. Okay. So the, as they regrow, why are, why are the nerve endings getting burnt? Um, anaerobic processes, hydrogen ions, the pH is changing, right? mm. Okay. So what if we're building a system that becomes more aerobically efficient to not getting anaerobic as quickly or as long? Recovery is better. Exactly. So if I'm implementing strategies around my lifting, if I'm constantly mouth breathing, what am I doing? If I'm over breathing, what am I doing? I've already tricked the wires in just walking that I'm now more sympathetically charged and using more glide. Like, look, man, we're all having a conversation. I'm doing most of the talking here today, right? Why am I so ramped up? (laughs) (laughs) I've just tripped my arousal state because it turns out our system works so beautifully that it says, Hey man, you need to be turned on when you're talking. (laughs) Hey man, shut. When you stop talking, shut up and listen, (laughs) shut your mouth. Oh, now I get more parasympathetically. The parasympathetic nervous system comes more online, right? And it's not an off-off switch. It's it's this kind of it's this dial that swings, and so we start to learn where that swing starts to occur. And so when I have training, it's like sure you can mouth breathe, like but here we're going to work up to heavy, you know, some heavy squatting in the in the early sets. You're just not going to open your mouth between recovery you're going to shut your mouth as soon as you come off that bar which is going to suck but guess what we're actually we're actually directing how we're using energy so that we can actually build a bigger way to actually get up and come down okay number one i I, i'm gonna dm you or something because i need to figure out where that paper was because when you were saying that right dr andy galpin posted it. andy oh yes there we go i'm gonna find that i'm gonna find that (laughs) i'm gonna find that but five years ago i started jujitsu right and then i started getting into this whole thing with nasal breathing and mark and i were talking about it but for the longest time like that uh, over time i noticed that my recovery after every single session just got better and better and better i could train every day and go train the next day and feel great and i was wondering oh maybe it's my diet or whatever but you're mentioning all of this i'm just like i've been nasal breathing this whole time since since i've started that and that has helped that has been the thing 
that's allowed me to be able to just do this without feeling like shit every day. That, 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 that's been the easiest thing we've implemented in the fight community was, <sighs> hey, look, when you go roll or you go like you, you can't open your mouth for the next three or four weeks. Just shut your mouth. Mm-hmm. And if you can't roll more rounds because you need to open your mouth, you don't get to roll more rounds. Just mm-hmm. ego trip it. Stop it. And then we'll get you there. And then we're going to teach you beyond that. Like, here's the gearing system. And here's where everything falls is it's like. It's either nasal or mouth. No, it's nose breathing picks up a little bit, gets a little faster. Then it transitions nose to mouth. Then it's, but you know, we, we've, I've spent enough time here where, you know, you get somebody to kind of understand these concepts and there's a gal, Galpin worked with her. Her name's Helen Morales. Mm -hmm. Uh, She won the gold medal in wrestling. And we were giving her breathing protocols in order to ma- help manage some anxiety and stuff around training, performance, et cetera, and to come down after training, right? Like quick come down because th- it's the most potent way to switch your nervous system. If we, if you just actively engage in some slow controlled breathing when you're done training for a few minutes to where you feel like you drop out, that is the fastest way to recover. There, it, it, carbohydrate, I, I guarantee you, carbohydrate comes secondary to that. And here's why. <laughs> How do you, what do you die faster of? Air <laughs> or, 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 or food, right? So, yeah. so look, it, it, and this is a direct way into our nervous system. So Helen took this so far as to listening and watching her opponent's breathing change at the world championship. Mm. And when her, bre- her breathing changed, she knew she had it and she just took her. And that's, that's the beauty of it. It's like, fuck, this gal had no idea about breathing, but Helen did. And Helen's like, she just started mouth breathing. I know she's gassed. Yes, well, everybody yeah. knows in the fight game right. that if somebody's just slack-jawed, it's time to, I mean, you know, the last fight boxing match I watched was McGregor and uh, mm. Mayweather. And Mar- Mayweather had just waited for McGregor to be gassed. Right. Then it was clinic time, <laughs> you know, and, it, and that's exactly what happened. Well, with Not, boxing, nothing against McGregor. Yeah, with, know, like, with boxing in particular, I mean, the price that you pay for having your mouth open is too great. Mm-hmm. You know, you could you mm-hmm. can get your jaw broken. It's very common. Yes. Someone gets whacked in the jaw as they're breathing that Knocked way. Out so yep. they learn the hard way that that's not <laughs> that's not a great way to uh, proceed. Does this work a little bit like sets and reps? You know, like we get into these workouts, we get we get accustomed to some lifting a uh, couple weeks go by or whatever. And then you start to just push a little bit harder into it. You start to feel uh you know a pump or you start to feel a little bit of uh you're kind of fighting through some some pain or whatever it is you however you want to call it um is this similar to that is that what we're trying to do when we're working on these when we're working on nasal breathing and I, correct me if i'm wrong it sounds like to me what you're saying is like nasal breathe or nothing almost like like do do your nasal breathing and if you can't do your nasal breathing maybe reduce the amount of weight that you're using at that moment just for this particular thing that you're talking about, I'm not saying that you're against breathing in other ways, just uh, for this particular uh, instance. It, it could be, yes. My suggestion to anybody who's, who's serious with training and taking care of themselves and doesn't want to disrupt their progress, right? Like if you've got a meet, if you've got an event, those are important things. If you don't and you're about life, but you're still wanting to do things, my suggestion is, you start with nasal only for four weeks. Mm. 
don't get out of control with it. You don't need to take it to the extremes I did in the beginning. I mean, I was getting nosebleeds. Like I was just like <laughs> not opening my mouth. And like, you know, I do, you know, like do crazy stuff you know, in the beginning. Like you just don't know what, what, what you're doing. Talk about it's altitude like training. For it, right. <laughs> right. Like, and I get this all the time from people. Like I get nosebleeds all that. And it's like, yo, you're moving too much air too fast. Slow it down. Back off a little bit. Get it to a point to where you need to mouth breathe and then stop or bring it down, right? And do that for about four weeks. After that four weeks, start implementing it in as like kind of a kind of like a periodized game, but or dedicate some some times like your warm-up. There's no reason why your warm-up couldn't be all nose only, like a gear one, gear two. We have a five-gear system that we work from, right? So gear one is strictly aerobic, it's equal in and out, nose only. Gear two is a intended faster nasal inhale, and the exhale is just passive. Gear three is intended in and out nasal only. Gear four is nose in, mouth out, and then gear five is mouth only, right? And like if I'm packing air trying to do something, that's very different than metabolic demand or you know pushing back on metabolic demand by controlling my air. But if I control the air due to like I'm, let's say I'm walking up a hill or starting to move faster up the hill and I need to mouth breathe. If I let my breathing dictate what I'm doing, I've really learned how to change or manipulate how I'm using energy because the body will have to respond, will want to respond by slowing down. Right. And th there will be a time and a place to pick up speed and go faster and go heavier. And, and that comes in and it's like, okay, mouth breathe. But then like, how you want to manipulate after you've squatted. What are we trying to accomplish? Okay, shut your mouth as soon as you've gone heavy. And that, that's like, you know, baseball guys. I'm like, all right, you sprint 90 feet, shut your mouth once you hit the base. And it's like, whoa, dude, like that's going to free, that's going to spin me out. It is at first, but then you're <laughs> going to see something very interesting happen. And this is where you start to see yourself drop out real quick and recover a lot faster. What's the uh, what's the history of this? Like um, where, you know, where, where in our history have you seen this like first pop up? Um, was, you know, mm -hmm. was it uh, like what civilization started to really focus in and maybe hone in on breathing? I would imagine that like our, we can point to our modern technology and say, hey, there's a lot of shit flying around these days. But and you mentioned earlier that these things have been around for a long time. Uh, in your research and in your studies and stuff, what what have you seen? Like, where does some of this stuff come from and, and why? I, I would, well, the oldest movement practice we know of is yoga. Hmm. At the oh, foundation yeah. of yoga is a breath practice <laughs> that everybody's pretty much ignored, including well, the people who are the telling right way, And then it got fucked up later. <laughs> well, well and, and where I was going is including a lot of the people who are teaching today who just say, just breathe. They don't even, we, we don't have context around why I'm doing this. Why am I doing this? Where it's like, hey, why am I squatting this day? You know, good mornings on this day, deadlifting this. Like there's context around why you're going to do certain things, hopefully. <laughs> mm -hmm. But so that being said, if you go back in the annals of kind of yoga text, you will see there's very, very direct information there. Like, Wim Hof method was there. Like, like, like many of the ideas and things that already existed, Tumo, all of these things. So you look at yoga, Tai Chi, basically every martial art 
except for the more modernized jujitsu, um, which I haven't necessarily seen. They're starting to, based on a lot of language that's coming out from our world here, um, where they're starting to implement this and understand it. But Hicks and Gracie knew this. Hicks and Gracie manipulated breath from the beginning. He understood all of this, and this was one of his games, right? Like, so his son also applies this, and he's very attuned to breath work and how to use it. And, you know, I mean, a lot of the guys in the MMA world that we've, you know, worked with that apply this stuff now, and they, they really understand this. But it's not just – it really, like, if you – the interesting thing, I think, is that we ignored something that was happening culturally, in, especially in this country. The Native American populations, the indigenous cultures, they all primarily breathed out of their nose. And they had a language that didn't have a lot of words, which meant they didn't do a lot of talking. And they were very quick with their children like there's there's literature on this stuff like a baby came off the nipple the mother shut the mouth immediately for fear of the black mouth of civilized man <laughs> and, and, and i mean look man it, it, it like the con it's it's all there there's a book i mean patrick probably talked about it shut your mouth and save your life right mm -hmm. so george catlin was actually just a historian and he's he's documented many texts on history of indigenous culture the biggest thing this guy picked up on on seeing over a million indigenous people was that they shut their mouths and not only when they hunted, they gathered, they slept, but they talked very little, <laughs> listened a lot. <laughs> and then so even like for me, I'm not entrenched too much into like the athletic performance side of you know, just basically all sports. I, I do enjoy watching them, but um, it, it, even as little as like two or three years ago, I hadn't really heard anyone talking about nasal breathing or or the um, you know, wearing the uh, the mask that you had. They spoke about when we first started. Um, what caused this? I'll call it a resurgence in like performance breathing. Um, I mean, I would say a lot of the work that Patrick started with. Mm. Uh, but Patrick's really, his work is focused kind of around asthma, right? Mm -hmm. And what happened with asthma and the Buteco method, which is an important process of, of, of our history, especially with Russian medicine, because it was the foundation. But I think there's been slight, like people don't realize that this has actually been around for quite some time. A guy by the name of Emil Zatopek, who was a Czechoslovakian runner. He won the 5K, 10K and marathon, half, I mean, the marathon. Maybe even the, the 3,000 mm. meter, but he won like three or four Olympic golds. Yeah. And he was, this is in the 50s, and he was known for doing breath hold and breath work as he trained. And he would faint his opponents when he would compete against them so that they thought he was suffering harder than he was and they would take off and he would let them and he would follow them and then he would just go around them because he was perfectly fine because he had built his system to tolerate far more this is really the difference between hey i've got a free diver who can hold their breath for 10 minutes versus you and i who can hold our breath for maybe three to five minutes right why can they do that and we can't training but are they any more different than us physiologically not really they've just trained it and they've trained to tolerate co2 so that they can train to use more of that oxygen in the system so breathing in the way that you're talking about when we're talking about working on nasal breathing and pushing it a little bit and having a little bit of 
uh, I guess, oxygen debt. Is this like a little bit similar to maybe using like a fat grip in training? You use a fat grip on a, like a, say like a deadlift Correct. bar and then you switch the bar out and use it. Then you, then you use a regular deadlift bar without the fat grip on there and your hands are exponentially that much stronger. Is that what we're doing? We're building up the system to have a bigger tank for uh, future stuff that we might do. Pretty much. It, it, um, and I would just, I would just kind of put on top of that, that breathing is how we manage all energy. Right. 90% of that energy is aerobic. 10% of that en- energy becomes anaerobic and the, but it, which we don't need to breathe for, but we do need to exhale for, because you've got, you, you actually do need to inhale because right. the oxygen that's coming in when we're anaerobic is now being used to buffer a lot of the acidic processes, the, you know, it need, needs for the lactate and the hydrogen ions that are in the system. So that oxygen now goes towards something that can't be used metabolically. Right. But yes, it, it's really like taking control of your energy and making you way more efficient. What does uh, somebody's uh, like glucose and insulin levels look like in the morning when they when they went through a mor- when I went went through a night of not sleeping very well because maybe they have apnea or something like that? Mm-hmm. They're not real good. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're going to see pretty. They're, they're, I mean, the research states it. Like a, a night of poor sleep, insomnia is really like it destroys how you're using glucose, right? So breathing can actually help regulate that. Right. Can help change that in immediately. Now, here's the other thing. That doesn't give you the hall pass to go train at 100%. <laughs> where where a lot of us would take that, right? You know, and 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 so to just to go back to answering um the other question, you know, Emil Zatopek was one of the kind of first people that really was, was in the fifties that was doing this. There's been plenty of people along the way, but the surge of this, I really, you know, this was a part, this was in part because of something like um, Wim Hof coming up. Although Wim Hof is not performance breathing. Wim Hof's been arguably the most important person for breathing because he's had the largest megaphone that occurred. Right. Granted, his method is something for more deep state stuff and can help with the immune system. It can help with resetting the nervous system. It's great for stuff like that. But the performance side of it, we've been really pretty alone here in what we've been doing with, you know, and, and, and developing a gear system is the first thing that we've first time we've ever heard of um, anybody doing anything towards that. Um, but we felt like it was pretty necessary because so many people just thought it was one way or the other. It was like vegan or carnivore, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, what do I do? And it's like, no, no, man, you don't need to, you don't need to like go one way or the other. You can really learn how to work things here um, and, and do whatever you want. You know, right. when it comes to uh, like you, you, you're fixing uh, a lot of the components or improving a lot of the components of your training uh, via your breathing. Have you seen uh, exercise help impact people's breathing as well? Like just something as simple as uh, doing some cardiovascular training of some sort. Yeah, have you kind of seen them work synergistically or are they kind of separate deals? Exercise will always improve uh, somebody's cardiovascular and pulmonary health in, for, for the novice. Right. Okay. Here, here's something shocking. 
eight, 20% of elite level athletes. So Olympians report asthmatic symptoms. 10% of the population reports asthmatic symptoms. So there is a place where things cross over and we've, you know, it turns out based on what we've looked at that because the mind plays such an integral role in everything, including our breathing, when I'm emotional or I'm off, like let's just say emotional in a negative way, right? Like, or I'm overthinking, think anxiousness, depressiveness, right? Like stuck. This carries weight. Emotions carry weight. There, there is a physiological cost for them. That is what a being a human being is, right? Like, so primary emotions are something all mammals, really real animals experience. Anger, sadness, happy, fear, normal. We get secondary, tertiary, even, even we, we get out way out here. And so we stack things like frustration, you know, um, on top of other things, you know, we just, we stack things and we don't deal with things. And so we can drag that into things like training and our, our ego can get far too attached to external things like needing to win. And there's nothing wrong with winning. I mean, I've, I've I've probably, I probably have worked with 10 or more world champions, the best in the world at, at particular sports. I've had my hand, like I've been able to work with them. And, you know, that they're there because they're very capable of compartmentalizing things and doing it, even going through a brick wall. That doesn't mean they get a hall pass on the physiology because our physiology is really where this is. Our nature is this is why we can't separate ourselves from nature is our nature is our physiology. Stress physiology does not differentiate between species. Yet if I can carry emotions beyond what primary becomes or get stuck on something, that weight trips up through my breathing because I'm stressing myself out to some degree. It's just stress. You can't leave stress is stress. That's why I said in the beginning, breathing is a stressor. Cold is a stressor. Heat is a stressor. Even though that we're using them as recovery tools, mm-hmm. we're just using another stressor in order to create a better response to something else or adaptation to something else. And breathing just shows up as that hallmark of what's happening with our physiology really at any given moment because it's hardwired into that brainstem. I have a quick question about the 20% of Olympians reporting and the 10% of the population. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that they're like, you know, they're shot putters, right? Olympians that are just really big and maybe they're not as cardiovascularly fit. But I, I wonder about that. And I could be, I could be totally wrong about this, but do you think that there's a higher percentage of Olympians reporting that because I guess they're more aware of that? Like they're more aware of their breathing. They have more understanding because I just feel like probably more than 10% of the actual population would report if they actually knew that there was a problem. Um, or am I, am I off with thinking that? No, I don't think you're off at all. We could only speculate, but that's also why I use the word report. You know, Um, it's important that I said report Mm -hmm. instead of like trying to, you know, I mean, look, the fact that any world-class athlete is saying I've got asthmatic symptoms tells me Mm -hmm. like, yo, we're not addressing the foundation here. Yeah. Like, you know, we're just not. And, and that, that was something yoga, Tai Chi, some of these martial arts nailed 
mm-hmm. because it's the, it's the beginning. This is the foundation. Yeah. Now I have a really selfish question because you were, you were mentioning earlier about like the mask, right? The, the breathing mask, mm. you know, you start having to get up right because you have to take good breaths. Right. Um, we had James Nestor on and he told us yeah. to go buy a respiratory muscle trainer, which is what I have here. Bought it on Amazon. Yeah. I'm using this thing. Right. I want to know, number one, do you think this is even worth it or useful? <laughs> and then number two, what tools can people actually purchase that will help do what you were speaking about there with the mask? Yeah. And, and, and actually, uh, along with that, is what you're wearing right now on your waist, if people are watching video, is that to help your diaphragmatic breathing or is that like, mm. did you get injured? <laughs> <laughs> so I've got on what's called a breath belt. Ooh. Um, yeah, yeah. So I actually think most of you guys should probably be wearing this thing, especially in the lower rain, l- lower weight sets. It's real. The, the guy who built it, it did really well. The reason I'm wearing it is when I have to sit for long periods of time, I don't want to give that shit up. I don't want to give my, 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 my belly up. Right. Like I go down to SoCal a lot, six hour drive. When I drive down there, I put this thing on. It is so vastly different from when I don't wear this to when I do. Like wow. my legs hurt more. I'm stiffer, right? Like I'm just keeping myself in a better position. All right. So their their answer is the first one. And I don't even work. I don't get anything out of the breath belt. Uh, Jesse, who makes it, did a great job. He sends them to me. I would suggest anybody get them. They do help with some resistance and engaging that diaphragm a How little better. Someone because pick one up. Where do you get them from? Online. You can find them on Instagram. Or Just online. look up the, breath the, belt. The, the breath belt. The breath belt. Got yeah. It. Here. I don't know if you can see it. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Nice. Yeah. So, um, now going back to resistance breathing devices, I spent a lot of time here and James Nestor is actually a good friend of mine. Mm. Okay. I, <laughs> <laughs> I began with a training mask on my face and thought it was helping a lot. And it was doing, it, it was helping some, but it was also helping me develop some compensatory things, especially through the neck, the scalenes and the intercostals, because you can get away with a lot when you start to fatigue, right? Nonetheless, that's not its problem. The, the aha moment came when I realized I was primarily drawing air in through my nose when I was using that thing. Why would I be doing that? And so I took it off and it was like, oh yeah, that is a resistance breathing device. So now if I just increase intensity towards something, let's go walk up a hill and I keep my mouth shut. Let's start moving around, doing some warm-up routines, core activation stuff. Don't open your mouth. Get a full breath of air in and out. I am now of pretty sound mind. There is no resistance breathing device that can outdo metabolic demand and shutting your mouth. I I just don't buy it. And and, um, I, I realize there are people who, you know, think that, you know, they've equated it to like, you know, they're like, well, then that means lifting weights is stupid. And I'm like, do you know the difference between yoga and gymnastics? Strength, like body weight strength. Mm-hmm. 
right? Like a, a gymnast is very, very strong, but that does, it, it's two totally different things in that if I'm working with what my anatomy has supplied me, this knows <clears throat> I'm actually efficient. I, I'm teaching my diaphragm to engage with what I've got here and to work with the amount of air I can go in and out. I really don't think VO2 max is the be all end all. I think VO2 efficiency is the be all end all and how fast you can get to recovering or how fast you can get up high anaerobically and come right back down from that. Um, Like how efficient you are in these margins is the game. And the only way I know that we can control that is through our breathing. And so learning how to manipulate that has been our game and what we've been playing with. And, And that's why we moved away from, I mean, look, man, I was on the payroll of training mass because I thought it was the be all end all. And, and I had to stop because I ethically, because like, I really was like, I, I don't think we need, I think we've got this thing on our face. It's doing just fine. Gotcha. How has uh, some of this breath work and some of this uh, deep dive that you've done into learning about breathing, how has it changed your own mind and your own mindset and maybe your interpretation of just everything, business, relationships? It's probably because, you know, a lot of times we're diving into a lot of these things pretty much for ourselves if, if we're to uh, be perfectly honest, right? Yeah. And, 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 and you're right. I mean, it was a selfish expo- exploration at first that I had no idea where it was going to go, but um, from a tissue perspective, from my body's tissue perspective, tense type tissue has now become supple and way more flexible. Um. I'm less reactive from a nervous system standpoint. I'm way more responsive, meaning I am aware of when something's off and now know how to respond. That's being in tune with my breathing, but that now becomes something with how my behavior works, right? Like I, so through my breathing, I've really picked up on my behavior um, and, and, and behavior patterns that I like and don't like. Um, the, my physiology, my like, so when I started doing this, I, you know, I, I probably was around, I don't know, 60, 50 to 60% max heart rate able to be like nose only on a bike. And mm-hmm. I, I, I love, like, I, I do a lot of mountain biking. Um, so um, I now, I prefer to be nose only uh, upwards of 90% of max heart rate. I can go to mouth, but I feel more stressed out. I feel mm-hmm. I get more gassed. I get gassed quicker. And that's what the deviated septum nose has been busted a couple times, right? Like it took awesome. me a few years to get there. But, w- you know, once it happened, it was just like, this is really strange that I prefer to be nose only at this point. point. Granted, I'm gear three, but there's plenty of stuff I do do where I take it up to gear five. Right. And I'm just like, boom, and I hit it and I have and I want to offload and optimize or even in a recovery process to use a quick gear five to shift down and then bring myself into some controlled breathing afterwards. It just depends on what we're trying to manipulate. But it's taught me how to go back to the beginning of what so many other things, so many other systems and ideas started with. And I was like, we just, we missed something here. I, I felt like we missed something and we, we're just trying to lay a foundation again so that people can get 
more bang out of what they're trying to do for their lives. I mean, I, my mind is clear. Like I just, I'm, I'm a much better person. I think, um, you know, I'm calmer. Um, I'm, I, you know, just, there's a lot of change that's happened as a result of this. This episode of Mark Bell's Power Project Podcast is brought to you by Piedmontese Beef. And I really want to talk about Piedmontese Beef because, in my opinion, it is the most underrated, most untalked about, just underutilized tools when it comes to uh, bodybuilders and their diets. Can you explain exactly why that is, Sima? Yeah, man. It's actually pretty awesome because we have a lot of bodybuilders on this podcast. And every single time we get one on, we always tell them about Piedmontese because... When a bodybuilder goes on a bodybuilding diet, they're like, I want to eat low fat and, you know, I, I can't eat a lot of calories. And they always end up eating chicken breast, tilapia, just really Ooh. weak meats, just very weak birds. Very. Um, but Piedmontese is awesome because they have a lot of different options in terms of their meat that have a great amount of protein, like good amounts of protein, but not a crazy amount of fat. So mm-hmm. you can be trying to do a diet and you can eat a lot of meat, a lot of red meat that tastes great, that's tender without all of the extra calories. But I want to give this a big butt because a lot of people are like, but I like fat. They also have a lot of options of different cuts of meat that have more amounts of fat. Mm-hmm. So if that's your jam and that's what you want to do, you have that option too. You can't lose. I like that you added a big butt. Mm-hmm. We love big butts. We do. Cannot lie. But seriously, stop eating weak you know, birds like Consuma just said. Head over to Piedmontese.com. That's P-I-E-D-M-O-N-T-E-S-E.com. At checkout, enter promo code POWERPROJECT for 25% off your order. And if your order is $99 or more, you get free two-day shipping. Highly, highly, highly recommend you check out the flat iron steak because what Consuma just said, it's ridiculously high in protein and insanely low in fat. Go check that out right now. You know, I'm really now, again, from like, let's, from the athletic standpoint, I'm curious about um, where we can learn about more, uh, more difficult breathing progressions, how to progress or how to utilize breath holds and training. Cause I know you can't talk about that all here, but where can we mm-hmm. learn more about that? Because when it comes to like, for example, the way I, uh, like I use this now, when I do jujitsu, it's pure nasal breathing and I feel amazing. Same thing with training, but now I want to figure out what is the way I can train this more other than just doing more nasal breathing. Like what do I need to do? to get even better, to, to increase that gas tank even more. Yeah. I think beyond nasal breathing, we've got a system, we've got the gear system program. So we've got a program on shiftadapt.com. So okay. um, my business shift, which the website is shiftadapt.com. And I've got, we've got a code for you guys too. So if your Ooh, users want to yeah, go great. play around for a month, I'll, I'll give that to you at the end of the show. Um, but there's a gear system program that basically teaches you how to use these gears, right? It's a progressive way to use the gears. And that's pretty important. I think for a lot of people, we also, you know, on that membership that we'll give people for a month, we've backlogged a ton of webinars that go through a lot of the stuff I've been going over, including gears and how to use this stuff. But we've also got our training. And so they can see how training works and how we use gearing with the training. And so it's implemented in the training so they can screw around with some of the training and get a dosing of what that gearing looks like, or even take the gear that we're using for the training and mimic it in their own training. Right. We also have daily breath work training that's on there that people can follow along. And it's all geared basically towards people who are active. We want because we think people being active is actually important. I mean, there, there's I, I have a I have a big problem. It's not a problem, I should say, but like 
an issue with the psychology and psychiatry world in that having somebody sit down in a room really calm and, and having a conversation with them is vastly different than, you know, understanding what they look like in a stressful situation. And it's like, what, how, how are these people moving? What are they, how are they exercising? What does that look like? What are their, you know, what are the things going on? And so I think that that world's starting to shift as well, but you know, that, that, so we, we've got a lot of this stuff on there. There's a bunch of different programs. There's a nasal development program. So you go through there, you go into the breathing mechanics to understand breathing mechanics as it relates to movement. Mm. Then there's the, you know, the gear system program. All of that stuff is on there. What about utilizing uh, kind of like Wim Hof type stuff where you see these people you mentioned earlier, like having like 30 breaths uh, really quickly. Where in our training or where would somebody utilize that style of breathing? Um, I would say something like that could happen after training. We were doing a lot of this stuff pretty early on, five or six years ago. Um, and we kind of hit some walls, especially before training. Because if you think about it, when you're doing Wim Hof stuff, you're actually exhausted. You're actually using up the oxygen because you're doing breath hold work after you hyperventilate. So you're stuffing the, you're stuffing oxygen in the red blood cells and then you're holding your breath. And CO2 rises and all that oxygen gets released. So you're kind of creating a lot of metabolic activity. And we, we were feeling a little, we were feeling more worn out as we would go train, right? Typically, a lot of people do this first thing in the morning to, to kind of wake up or ramp up. And then there's groups of people who are doing it at night because it drops them out. And that's exactly what it actually should do is it should drop you out after you've done a session of Wim Hof, like feel relaxed, calm, like eat, you know, like ready to go to bed type of thing. So that's why I would say doing it like doing that after training, we do a bit of a different thing where we're doing like 10 to 20 fast breaths. And then we do three repeated slow breaths. And then we'll repeat that for a couple of rounds, but the slow breaths increase in time. So think of like a six second inhale, six second exhale for a few rounds. The next session would be seven second, seven second. The next session will be eight, eight. And those longer, slower breaths are really sliding us down the mountain. You know, I've, uh, I've heard you during this podcast, you mentioned that like you move the way you breathe. Um, mm -hmm. And I've heard you, there's a story that I heard you talk about that I think a lot of listeners would get a lot of benefit from because when you were talking about that, I was like, well, I guess you also think the way you breathe too. And it was when you uh, mentioned that you like almost thought you broke your neck. And I thought that that was extremely powerful because like we always, like there are situations that happen daily that are just micro stresses that once they happen to us immediately, we're like, shit, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, you know what I mean? But in that situation, um, I'll just let you tell it because it's like you took control of it and it's crazy. Like how you did that. Thank you. Um, you know, uh, that was basically simply a testament to having a practice. And, you know, that goes back to Mark's question of like how this has impacted your life. Well, the, we, we have a saying that if your practice does not work when you're on fire, it don't work. So, you know, I, so I, I was playing tag with, with my nephews and uh, on a jungle gym and it, I was being chased by one of my nephews, went up a ladder and, and this ladder rotated, so it, so it spiraled as it went up, and it went up about seven, eight feet, and then there was a gap that a normal 
kid, <laughs> 10 or 11, could fit in <laughs> and then get across a beam that was on the top of the jungle gym, right? Like, so a deck that was out there. I didn't see the bar that was above where that oh. gap was. And so I ran up that thing as fast as I could, not knowing. And I just <laughs> went the top of my skull and I just, it was like a shattering. It was like a, like, just like, it was lights out, but it was just like stars. And then I literally woke up on the ground and my, my, one of my shoes was off. My feet were crossed and my hands were on my belly. And I was just like, what the fuck, where am I? And I couldn't move. And I realized right then and there that I probably had just broken my neck. And so I was like, all right, well, um, you know, I, I, I mean, it was freaky in that I just realized I might've broken my neck, but I also had four kids, my, my nephews and my niece around me young, my wife at the time. And then my sister were there and they were, you know, I, I didn't, I instantly just started thinking, well, this is just going to be a new thing I have to deal with. It'll just be a new game, but you can't breathe right now either. Like it hurts to breathe. I, I knew that if I started to panic, I'd start to hyperventilate. And if I started to hyperventilate, I was probably going to start to reinforce a lot of the stuff because that's stressful breathing. Right. So I was going to start to, I was going to start to stress my system out for that traumatic experience to become trauma, which are two different things. We create trauma a traumatic experience is me almost breaking my neck. That's a real thing, right? And I, you know, there, there, there was probably a little bit of trauma centered around it, but the fact is, is I just defaulted into controlling my breathing as best as I could at that moment. And that probably is what kept me from really panicking and freaking out. I mean, I, I know it is, um, but it also allowed me to understand that there, there might have been a new game in town that I was going to be playing. And there's nothing I could do about it. And life, we, we, we forget that life, <laughs> nature don't care. Everything has consequences and it could be over like that. And because we're at arm's distance every day from something that is inevitable that we all know of, we, we kind of behave or don't live our lives like we're alive a lot. And, and, and that really made me think about a lot of shit. Um, and I ended up not being having a break of neck. I ended up having a pretty severe spinal contusion, needed to go into emergency surgery, have my C3-4. Uh, di- I had, needed the disc gutted out. I needed to have it fused um, and then just to create room in the neck. Um, and then, you know, I, I, I took about three or four weeks before I could walk somewhat normally. Um, I still have years later, I still have some numbness and cold, icy hot through my le- lower extremities you know, legs and feet. And that's a result of the contusion. I'm not, you know, I'm reminded of it every day and it's cool because it is what it is. I'm I'm walking, which I guess is cool, but I know a lot of people and they reached out to me who aren't and hadn't changed their lives. And, you know, breathing at its foundation is the way we control our physiology. If we can grab a hold of it instantaneously. And that was where the, you know, I, I went with it. So, you know, I, I was grateful that I was able to be able to do that, you know? Um, so anyway, 
I think ultimately you're talking about, you know, a lot of the things that you're talking about here are all things that can lead to a healthier lifestyle, healthier practices, uh, improved sleep, improved performance, uh, improvements kind of across the board. When you first got into this, what are some things that you didn't see that you had to talk about or, or teach where you're like, oh man, I didn't really realize I was going to have to talk so much about nutrition. I really didn't realize I was going to have to like literally teach people how to like walk and how to stand and how to, <laughs> I mean, you got to teach them kind of every, everything, right? It's a comprehensive thing because uh, breathing is something we need a lot of <laughs> in, in each and every day. Um, let me see if I can answer, if I answer that right. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, dude, I, the, the fact that I'm sitting here talking about breathing is weird. <laughs> it really is. I, I was, I was a performance junkie. Like I loved in, like the aspect of, you know, endurance stuff, but, but doing it differently through intensity and, you know, like I, I just, I like going fast and like, you know, like I like to surf and I like to do, I like to BMX. I like jujitsu. I like, 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 I'm, you know, I'm talk, sitting here talking about breathing was not the plan and it just happened. And I think that's odd in, in and of itself, but I, I really think that we, are an overanalyzation culture at this point. We, we, we think about things far too much and I don't want people to listen to this and think that they're doing everything wrong. You know, they're not. And if you just sit there and just relax and take a deep breath through your nose and try and fill up your lungs and just pause up top and then just can you feel how you tried to adjust how you sat to fill your lungs? Do you feel a calmness settle in? If you can feel that, that is the most important thing you have. And it's not your breathing. It's your feeling. And that's the, probably the weirdest thing that I'm teaching. I'm teaching people how to feel. We don't feel. We go through brick walls. We get upset about things that happened when we were five or six that we've dragged through our entire life. Every one of us, like, it's just weird shit, man. Like you don't even have to have real trauma, like real traumatic experiences. It's just like how I learned to fucking navigate. Turns out Brian was rebellious. I don't know if you can tell, <laughs> but you know, I, 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 I got noticed when I was rebellious, right? Like I did really rebellious shit because it got attention because I had a younger brother and sister that then I didn't get attention from. And I'm just kind of opening a door here that allows people to understand. It's not like, it ain't even about that. It's about like, how do I feel? Do I like I'm crossing, I've crossed so many boundaries that I didn't understand I had just to do something that I could have done way differently, but I didn't because I needed to learn a lesson in that process. And so if I can start to feel again, if I can really learn how to feel what's going on, not only do I start to understand those boundaries, but I start to understand my potential, which is unlimited. Our physiology, we don't know the limits. We, we don't know our limits. But we're tr what we're trying to do is take a lot of external shit and stack it on to like tell us what we're, what's going on. Like HRV, there's nothing wrong with it, but the problem is, is that HRV is doing something that you can understand far quicker. You're breathing. Your breathing will tell you way, way ahead of HRV telling you when anything's off. 
You just need to engage in a practice and learn. And, and it's instantaneous, right? Like the heart actually works for the breath. I think it's very intuitive and probably, uh, and very well said. So that, that's freaking awesome. That's, I'm really happy nice. to hear that you're teaching that. That sounds great. And probably the reason why you align so well with Sturette, because Sturette was like test, retest. You know, he wants to see if people are feeling it. Like, did you feel it? Like, did you have an improvement? If you didn't, then what I just said kind of sucked. Like, it wasn't that useful to you or something was slightly off. And we can see the same thing with nutrition. You know, nutrition, you can make it as complex as you want. But, um, hey, you know, just let's let's start out the day with a healthy meal, whatever you consider to be healthy. We don't have to get into the uh, all the logistics of all that but you you pick what you think is healthy did you feel better from what you you know mm -hmm. and this is about feeling how did you feel how do you feel now at 11 o'clock when you had an 8 a.m breakfast how do you feel are you tired are you starving are you like where where are you at so i think that's great and i have never actually out of all the people we've ever had on the show i've never heard anybody kind of boil it down to that but whether we're talking about breathing lifting or anything else you ultimately are talking about a feeling and feelings are probably the or one thing that we, that we think makes humans different from everything else on this planet. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks. I mean, it, it's just, it's odd, but you know, it's a, uh, here I am. Like, here we go. It's but almost I, like you need to take I'm, everybody and give them a big hug, you know, and be like, Hey, come here. Give me, mm -hmm. take, bring well, bring, bring is, her I mean, on in here. <laughs> it, it is. I mean, maybe it was me that needed the hug, right? Right. That, that's the thing, you know? And, and, and that's what I had to deal. That's what I, the road I went down. That's where this, sh this stuff took me. Little so it was clutch. like, wow. <laughs> but it's like, you know, Hey, I still like going fast. So <laughs> how can we manipulate things in order to go fast with yeah. this? A lot of people have been doing that for a long time. You know, um, be before the episode started or before you came on, we were all talking about, uh, your app and I think it's really cool. I think it's called state change or state um, oh yeah, that's our old app. Yep, that's your. Oh, I don't know. Okay, so if you have a new right. one, got to check it out. Oh yeah, um, we got we got something coming. Okay, cool. Because that yeah. like when you were talking about you know just start paying attention to your feelings or be, be, like be aware of what your breath is doing. That makes it so very easy to just be aware of what's going on with your breath. You're just paying attention to it. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's just great how the entry point is simple. I think just paying attention to your breathing once in a while. Cause I mean, I know years ago I never really paid attention to it, you know? So, but you are now and, and, mm -hmm. and you know, and you're probably ahead of the curve um, right now, way ahead of the curve. And, and so when I say something like pay attention to your breathing, you get that the vast majority of people probably don't understand that quite yet. And, mm -hmm. and so a real quick, just entry point for people to use for that. It's like, look, if I go and I'm going to go walk nasal breathing, right? And all of a sudden, like I'm going up a hill. Do you notice the change in your breathing? How it picked up, right? How it got a little faster. Okay. Now take that back to, let's say you go back home to your wife or your kids or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whoever, whatever, right? Family, whatever. You get in an interaction. Or somebody you work with, you're on a podcast, you disagree with somebody. <laughs> do you notice your breathing change? Do you see your breathing change? Can you do it there? That change is that beginning. That understanding that change is the beginning. And that's where you can, like, there's no difference between, like, there is a difference between metabolic and emotional. But 
the thing is, is the physiology doesn't care. The signal's still going to be really the same to a large degree because stress physiology doesn't differentiate. Now, we tell this story about the lion and the antelope and how every day the lion and the antelope wake up in Africa and they know each other exists, right? Yet they're, and some might say they're mortal enemies. They're not. They allow Mm -hmm. each other to coexist to a large degree. At least the lion allows the, you know, (laughs) most of the antelope to exist. But most of the time there's zero problems with these two until the lion decides to cross a line, which is about a hundred meters. So the antelope are so intuitive. They know where a hundred meters roughly is. And that hundred meters tells them they need to move. Whenever that line crosses that line and gets after that antelope, survival's on. And they're both running and charging and going. And we all have seen this on National Geographic or Disney or wherever you've watched it. Remove the picture. Put up a dashboard. Heart rate, pupil size, respiration rate. All physiological signs you can think of. Then insert yourself and your significant other or somebody close to you that you get engaged in arguments that you can't control. You've got your own dashboard. Which one's which? Can't tell. You can't tell. And this is really important to understand because at the end of the day, the lion and the antelope, let's say the lion doesn't catch the antelope. That lion still goes back to chilling out and calming down and taking naps and that antelope goes back to the herd to graze and poops and has no problem right like it's function it goes right back they both go back to high parasympathetic tone activity we don't Mm, we hold on to it and then we go train really hard to blow (laughs) that stuff off versus understanding what we just happened in an interaction anyway Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it becomes a yep. cyclical thing, and you're tired and not sleeping properly, and just, it all just kind of winds into itself. What you just it said does. there is so simple about like walking and people uh, starting to feel their breath, you know, going up a hill versus. But I find some of this really interesting. Like, there's a lot of things that you're trying to teach people to feel when somebody is lifting. Somebody's doing a bench press. We'll say use your lats or have leg drive, and then people are like, "What? Like, what are you talking about? Why would I use my legs when I'm?" training my chest, bro, you know, or how do I, how do I even use my lats or how about a even more beginner question? Like, what are your lats? Like, where are these things located? Um, doing some, doing a little bit of bodybuilding, it's been really strange to learn that after you train for a long time, then you start to learn how to flex your muscles. And it's strange to me that everyone doesn't learn how to flex their muscles. Anyone that's in any sport, I think that would be a great place to start. Like, Hey, here are your biceps. But to go back to what you said, you really can't feel certain things unless there's like a hill. There needs to be like some resistance. So you can't really just start Mm -hmm. flexing until you've already had some resistance in your arms or in your legs or whatever. Then you could start to actually feel it. It's almost like, I mean, human beings are are very complex and very smart, but we're also uh, maybe very stupid and very simple. (laughs) Like you need to like literally feel it. And if you can't feel stuff physically, it's sometimes hard to be in tune with it uh, the way that you might need to be in tune with it all the way through, all the way down to your emotions, all the way down to our decision making. And so I just find it, you know, really interesting that you take something like running, which is your background, you know, uh, 
maybe like someone never really learns or hears anyone talk about flexing the hamstrings or flexing the calves, or maybe they don't even possess an ability to feel any of that. But you simply walk uphill with a 40 pound weight vest on. Now all of a sudden you can feel your hamstrings and calves because they're on fire because you have resistance. So I thought that was very intuitive, uh, the way that you brought that up. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the simplest things for people to actually do is, you know, if you just sit up and just press your hands into the chair or the ground, so you, you're actually getting some lat activation as a result. Of that, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, and it pulls Speaking your chest up. But I've now taken my shoulders out of my breathing, right? So if I do that and then I just sit up and just slightly push into the chair or the ground and I just draw a full breath of air in, you just experience, you should feel circumnavigation of that diet, that your rib cage starting to expand horizontally. It's not a vertical thing, although there's a vertical wave that follows through that, you know, or just putting your hands around your ribs and feeling that change. If you can get your hands around your ribs. <laughs> but <laughs> you know uh, it's, it's real simple and just yeah. getting that and going oh that's how that works and it's like yeah and you know galpin does some pretty cool stuff where he'll poke you know he's got athletes like we were working with trevor bauer and he, we were doing some breathing exercise with him and he'd poke him in the back and he's like fill it and he and he literally filled the air into his um his finger wherever he was poking and you mm. should be able to really learn how to do stuff like that, especially in like core activation stuff, like yeah, get control, into a plank yeah. and then have somebody cool. poke and just fill that up, fill that up over there. And that's how you learn how to control some things. It's just little games and stuff you can do. If people are watching the YouTube on that, I was over here just like, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're poking ourselves. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, now that you brought up Dr. Galpin again, I, I want to ask this because I think when he was on the podcast last time, we asked about some nasal breathing stuff. And he's like, oh, we have some research and there's some really cool stuff coming out that we can't talk about. So I think what you just mentioned to us was that really cool thing that he was talking about. Um, but that makes me wonder, is there anything else you have come across in the past year or two years um, that's really cool that we should know about? Because um, I've also heard that you worked with Dr. Uh, Dr. Huberman, who we've also had on the podcast and oh, yeah. you guys have been able to have a lot of like cool stuff between the way, you know, the, the, the cross between sight and breathing. And I don't know anything mm -hmm. about that. So is there just anything cool that we should like be knowing about? Right I now? mean, you want compounding like stuff for that nervous system, vision, vision and breath. Like think of, you know, like, so if I put the phone here like there's a reason why you shouldn't be text messaging or looking at your phone when you're driving mm. and here's the reason i mean everybody's like it duh bro like but no here, here's the actual reason if i put that phone here i lost my peripheral vision out here mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. if i look out there oh wow i can see my hand mm -hmm. there's a reason why nobody freaks out looking at the sunset and it's not because it's beautiful Although that's a great thing. It's because the math is telling my eyes to downshift. So if I'm in a heated situation or if I'm trying to downshift or if I'm trying to do something, I just got off the bar. If I'm looking at things really close to me, it might behoove you to look off at the end of the room so that you can get your visual system and stare there for a few seconds. You can also do things like training 
the the brain system like to where you're like you know this is what we'll do in the tactical community i work with a guy by the name of mickey shook um who does some pretty high level um firearm training stuff and i've gone out and worked with them where we're using sighting to where you're using your thumb or you're using your sights and you're looking at the pin up front but then you're looking at the 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 target right and so you're coming back and forth from each one right you're actually training your eyes how to move fast between these things Andrew does does stuff with this where you're looking at the convergence where you're doing things like looking at a tree here, then a tree further out, then a tree further out, and coming back, 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 back. So you're training your eyes how to work within that spectrum to help your nervous system really shift down um, and change how your brain's operating. Now think about what do you want to do with your breathing. It's real simple. Think of your breathing as a gas pedal, and your mouth is sympathetic and your nose is is parasympathetic, right? And if I go fast breathing, I'm more sympathetic dominant. And if I go slower breathing, I'm more parasympathetic dominant, all right? So if I engage the mouth for fast stuff, I'm going sympathetic. And I can ramp myself up before a lift and do ben- and be- give me beneficial stuff, like if I'm trying to PR something, right? But I don't want to do that all the time because then I can create some... I- I'm not going to create the best adaptive processes around that. If I'm doing that every time, that was some stuff we saw, right? Like you can't just hyperventilate your way into feeling great and, and like getting more oxygen to come off because the end road of that, the, the, the byproduct of that, the long term of that is there's no adaptive process from the energy standpoint, right? It's very minimal. Whereas if I'm controlling that, it isn't. So breathing just becomes, if I'm trying to calm down after a set, divert to nose breathing, trying to slow that breathing down as fast as you can. Right. You guys want to do a quick exercise? Sure. Like just yeah, to yeah. Sh- yeah. Yeah. All right. And the listeners can do this as well. All right. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to mimic a stressful situation and I'm going to, then we're, I'm just going to ask how you feel. You get to do no special special right now. So don't do anything you wouldn't normally do. Right. And I just want you to feel your heart rate when we're done with this, it'll be real quick and then we'll repeat it and I'll give you some special, special. Okay. All right. Inhale all the way in through the nose and then all the way out and then all the way in and then all the way out. Last one in and then all the way out. Hold your breath on the out. Stomp your feet in place as fast as you can, holding your breath. Go, 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 go as long as you can until you need to breathe. When I see you guys need to breathe, we'll start over. So you stop when you need to breathe. Good. One breath in, wherever you're at. And then one full breath out. One breath in. One breath out. Hold your breath. Stomp in place. Go. Go, 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 go. Panic switch is starting to go. Good. One breath in. All the way out. Hold. Run in place. Go, 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 go. It's going to be real short. As soon as you need to stop, go back to normal. Do whatever you got to do to breathe. All right. Find your carotid artery. Get a pulse. How do you feel right now? You can talk. You can do whatever the fuck you want. My heart rate's at 190. My Apple Watch says. 
Yeah, one eighty eight. I I highly I highly doubt it's that high, but yeah. um, it's it's high, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you feel? Or like, you don't need to tell me, or you can tell me. How do you feel? How does that make you feel? Do you feel the panic switch go off? Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Okay. So here's something important that we haven't talked about. Every single human being, even those who don't have an amygdala, <laughs> have that switch. Meaning, if you don't have something that you're that, that's you know that deals with fear. Right, because that amygdala really helps with the the survival, the threat mechanism. Our most innate drive for survival is our suffocation alarm system, mm. and that is what that is. What you just felt, so that panic switch, we set it off. Right. All right, you guys feel normalized somewhat. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Deep breath in. Three of them, and out, and in. And out. And in. And out. Hold it on the end. Run in place. Go, boys. <laughs> we're going to repeat this whole exercise, except we're going to do something cool at the end. Good. Two breaths. One in. One out. Second one in. Second one out. And go. You can even do this from a seated position. And one breath in. And one breath out. Run in place. Go. <laughs> okay. Finger on the fingers on the carotid. Now, Whew. deep inhale for me. Through the nose. Deep exhale, all the way out. Deep inhale. Deep exhale. Now, keep going with this rhythm, but try and slow the exhale down just a fraction each time. You get 10 breaths. You're on number three. Pay attention to what you feel with your heart rate or you're watching with your heart rate. What's the difference? Yeah, I felt like you're, yeah, I felt like you're really controlling your heart rate. I feel real chill, <laughs> like controlling it, like with a like a remote. <laughs> and and that's why BKS Iyengar was like the the mind is the king of the senses, and the breath is the king of the mind. Like it is literally the remote control to actually engage in how I can manipulate things, including my recovery. So you just did a heavy squat set. What's the best thing you can do? Maybe defaulting to nasal breathing to start is probably not the thing, but we that gearing system applies to this in a reverse fashion. Think five mouth breaths. <sighs> Intended. <sighs> then drop it. And when I feel like I can (sighs) 
soon as I feel like I've brought it down, it's on you. You're the one that feels. Time is a construct. What you feel is real. And if you can, we can get you to understanding what that feeling is of transitioning from high sympathetic anaerobic activity to lower aerobic efficient activity where we're supposed to function 90% of the time, even if we're a powerlifting, bodybuilding, you know, extreme athlete, you are still supposed to function in that creative space known as parasympathetic, like more of that parasympathetic tone. Very cool. That felt great. <laughs> felt like a cup of coffee. <laughs> yes, as it should. <laughs> what we just did makes me wonder, and I think I've, I've had this question popped in and out of my head while we've been talking, but sometimes when lifters, power lifters or Olympic lifters are getting ready for a big lift, and I think you kind of alluded to it, they'll, <laughs> they'll go around the gym, then they'll go to the bar and then they'll do an explosive movement, right? So from what we've been talking about in that specific situation, for what's about to be done. Is that a good habit to, to do before a big lift? Or is that something that you want to only pull out sometimes? Or is that something you don't ever really want to do? It's actually a pretty innate thing. It's pretty, it's pretty uh, animalistic and meaning innate in that it's pretty important to do. Mm -hmm. The only issues I would say around that is that if I'm running around hyperventilating and I'm somebody who's got really, who doesn't have great blood pressure, this is where you'll see people pass out. You ever seen anybody pass out? Oh, yeah. Yep. A lot of time. Yeah. Yep. And hyperventilation. So if you were to hyperventilate and, and then hold your breath on an inhale, you'll get the same effect. You could pass out and <laughs> drop out. Mm. Right. And mm. so that's what a lot of people are doing. Then they're throwing weight on them. Mm -hmm. And then, right. And so that blood pressure ends up dropping out as a result of when the breath gets up offloaded right so free divers use that technique when they come up from a dive because they've been holding their breath and it's the fastest way to get oxygen to diffuse through the lungs if i do a full inhale because the alveolar sacs at the end ranges of my lungs are much more sensitive to getting co2 out and o2 in so if i do a full inhale i'm gonna absorb more oxygen off of that versus just the short little that doesn't mean you need to be fully inhaling. You, you should not be fully inhaling and exhaling all the time. Mm -hmm. But that's these are just little things to understand that if I've got issues surrounded around cardiovascular health, blood pressure, et cetera, be careful with things like that, especially hyperventilation. There is a reason, like this is part, this is one of the issues that's really arisen through a lot of the people using Wim Hof is they just didn't understand that you know, it can cause some issues for people who aren't like metabolically or in, in mm. great cardiovascular health um, because you're going high sympathetic. And what happens when you do that, when you, could, when, you, when you breathe off CO2 like that is the blood vessels constrict big time. That high feeling you get is the vasculature constricting to the brain. So you're limiting the supply of oxygen to the brain. You can you can get away with this for short periods of time, but if you're not somebody who's healthy enough, like, look, you've got to watch out with what you're doing where, where you don't really need to watch out is slow controlled nasal breathing. Like you just take it to where you feel like you're calming down. You know, there's a reason why they used to hand people paper bags to breathe in when they're ha having panic attacks. 
And that's basically just shutting your mouth and going. We haven't really seen people uh, hit the floor in uh, training um, all that much until the last 15, 20 years with CrossFit. What has uh, CrossFit kind of taught us about breathing? I mean, you see these people, men and women, just breathing their faces off and they, they, they hit the ground. They're doing those sweat angels and everything. Uh, what have we seen from, from the CrossFit community? What are some things that maybe they had right or have right? And what are some of the things maybe they uh, need to work on? A, I think Greg Glassman is probably one of the more intelligent people that's come into the world of strength and conditioning. Bar none, he was a genius. A lot of what he's thought and brought to the table was very quickly removed. And he never really looked at it as a sport. He looked at it as something that was a bolt-on to sport in many regards. That didn't mean he wasn't going to run a business. So I'm just giving Greg kudos for what he created. I think CrossFit as an idea is just like the conjugate method in essence. Like it, it was the idea of the conjugate method and system was is brilliant, right? Like in that it's constant variance towards things to develop for capacity for something. Um, I played in this world for over a decade and was a part of as many problems as solutions, right? Um, I think, you know, I alluded to this earlier with, with elite athletes is we are very, they are very capable of going through brick walls for quite some time, especially from a metabolic standpoint. And, you know, exhausting the amount of air that you're exhausting comes with consequences. And that doesn't mean you're going to feel it today. That doesn't mean you're going to feel it this year. But your adrenals and things, that's your, your tissues, um, joints, These things are byproducts of what's been occurring as a result of the training stimulus. And what what we're talking about here today is really something that teaches us how to use that energy that we're trying to train. And there's a time and a place for it all. There's a time to redline. There's a time not to redline. And Greg's idea was never to redline. It was pretty varied, man. Like I remember when he threw up a 15 mile run at one or nine mile run at one point, it was a 15 K and the entire CrossFit world lost their fucking minds. Right. Like, and it was like, but he understood. I mean, the guy loved bikes, but it, going back to what we're, what, what you're asking is like, you got people who never really, um, you know, they were never really athletes, you know? Um, and then they fell into something that gave them something and made them look good. And, you know, they love that. And, and I get it, man. Like, I get it. Like, chase that unicorn. But the thing is, is it's like you can only go so long at those levels before something starts to go wrong. And where we really see it go wrong is with the population that's really over 30, mm. you know, because you, you, when you're going that hard and you're over 30, like, you just don't have the ability. You don't have the hormone complex complexities that you do when you're under 30 right and so then things start to fall apart first it's the shoulders then it's the you know like like all of these things start to compound but these are all related to breathing man it's just we're not looking at it like that you're saying a joint but it's like yeah well look if i couldn't blow off that much co2 i wouldn't be going that hard that would require me to make a shape that actually had me 
understanding my breathing mechanics better. Like if I can't get a full breath of air with a bar overhead, what do I do? I compensate by breaking that whole thing up and making weird shakes. You know, Kelly was talking about this for years, but now it's like, I'm able to take that and go, Hey, can you breathe in that position? And this is what, what you asked earlier. Like, you know, you, 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 you breathe how you move. Yeah. There's a reason why you're going <laughs> because you can't actually get a full breath of air because your shoulders don't aren't open enough to allow that to happen. Right. So I really think it comes down to understanding your, your movement patterns and can you breathe through these movement patterns? This goes back to yoga. Yoga literally said, Hey, inhale through this position, exhale through this position. Don't go any faster than your ability to do that. And that was the foundation. And, and I'm not saying, oh, you should inhale on the, on the descent of the squat and exhale on, you know, on the concentric portion of it. No, no, no. You got to figure out how this really works, where the tank needs to be filled and how you can control the air and move with it so that it actually is benefiting you and you're understanding your movement patterns. But most importantly, how you're using the energy. You can't just blow through energy the way that we're blowing through energy in these workouts. And that's why you start to see these problems is that it's just anaerobic the entire time, mm-hmm. right? Like you're just exhausted. I'm really curious to know um, before, like you obviously mentioned that you're using that breath belt right now. Um, and I asked you about tools before, but I'm very curious about you yourself, the personal tools that you use on a daily basis, other than obviously the things that you have on shift adapt, all these practices, right? What are the outside tools that you personally use on a daily basis that you think would be beneficial for modern day people as far as breathing is concerned? Breathing. Just breathing. That is okay. the, t- that is the tool. That is the beginning. I, I ultimately that I, if I were to talk about the, like I do some low oxygen training stuff, right? Like mm-hmm. that's not going to benefit the general population. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, it would, but it's like, that's just going above where, you know, I, I really, it's like, other than taking care of my tissue and like, I'm, I'm my, my breathing is the number one tool that I use so that I'm understanding what I'm doing and where I'm at. And, you know, I know that if I, go and do a workout that when I'm warming up, if I notice I have to start breathing heavier or switch to mouth breathing sooner that I'm already off and my workout, I knew I intended to not go above gear four. So I won't go above gear four. I just won't get the performance that I thought I should get. Right. But I'm still getting the stimulus that I'm after. Therefore, I'm creating the, I'm grabbing a hold of what the adaptive process really is. I love that you said that because like on certain days, when I think I'm going to go in and and, and perform great on certain days when I'm I'm rolling with somebody and I feel my mouth drop open, I'm like, huh, huh, this, this shouldn't happen right now. Why am I feeling like this? I'm okay. I'm not on my A game right there being able to pay attention to that and understand what's going on. That's huge for athletes. That, that you just, you just tapped into the fastest thing to let you know where, like how I need to adjust myself. Like I, I have so many people that tell me, like I had some kid comment the other day on his HRV sucking. 
And I'm like, or he suffers with HR, his HRV score because it's so low. And I'm like, first off, you probably just need, what should he do? And I'm like, get rid of the HRV. If you're using words like I'm suffering mm-hmm. around my HRV, you shouldn't have HRV, bro. Like that, that needs to end right now, right? Like just pay attention. What, what are you trying to do? What do you want to do? And it's like you said, you know where you're at and where you want to be. If that changes, oh, I should probably just back off a little. And I'll live to play another day. Mm. <laughs> You've uh, had a lot of success with some books. Uh, you have anything uh, in the works that you're working on right now, book-wise? I do. It's just beginning, although it's been a big process for the last like kind of year or two. I, I, I really wanted a lot of the dust to settle with the breeding stuff um, to know the direction I really wanted to go. Um, and so I've, I've, got, I've got one of the works on energy control. And it's not just, it won't just be about breathing. It will have breathing in it, but it's really like, you know, the cost and weight of emotions and what we're doing, how we're training, what we're, how we're, you know, how we get to the bottom of this stuff, what energy control really means, how we can grab a hold of our physiology and be closer to what we, you know, get the adaptations that we really want. Can you let us in on this new app? What's going on with this new app? Yes. Top secret yeah. stuff going on over there or what? Uh, it's not, it's not top secret yet. <laughs> not top secret yet. It's not out yet. Um, we're, uh, I kind of, I, I partnered with uh, Adidas Labs. So yeah, um, they came to me because uh, the state stuff, the partnership with state just really didn't, it, it didn't work out. It was, it was pretty tough. Um, it's a great app. So if people want something to go play with and use state breathing, just type it into your app. It, it's a great place to start. That was the basics. What we're doing now is the, the new apps. Going this business is called Numa, P N E U M A, which is Greek for spirit or breath. Um, and this will be kind of a walk into a personalized experience for how you manage breathing, how you use breathing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so we've talked about CO two, right? Well, we all have kind of this unique fingerprint with CO two tolerance sensitivity. So we measure that. We measure it from a static standpoint. We measure it from a humming standpoint. And we measure it from a walking, a metabolic standpoint. We also do a psychological assessment because I was able to, with my work with Andrew Huberman began when uh, he brought me into a a research project where um, I was able to take patients, people coming in for this fear study and fingerprint them based on a psychological screen they did, which was the Harvard Emotional Reactivity Scale at the time, we were able to see which protocols worked with specific groups of people, like how people respond. It's not a test. Like you don't psychologize. It's an assessment. Like, hey, how, how do I manage stress? It turns out not everybody responds to the same breathing protocols the same way. And unfortunately, that's kind of how we all were running around at first. And a lot of people still do. And I'm not, I'm not discounting that what people are giving people in a broad sense, like Wim Hof can't be impactful or isn't impactful. Think of it as like a target, right? Any breathing is really like hitting the target. You're going to hit the target. Like you're going to make some changes, but if you don't have kind of these measurements, this understanding of what really works for me, like what brings me up and makes me feel good. And what brings me down and makes me feel like I'm, calm and relaxed we're working on hitting the bullseye 
so that people have something that literally every time is them hitting the bullseye and then they can use that to improve over time. And, and our, what we're building adapts with you and, and it takes you in the direction you want to go, whether you're looking for relief or whether you're looking for performance, right? So anybody in your program would be able to jump on this and be able to improve their aerobic efficiency in just a click, right? So that's awesome. What's few questions. Yeah. I would say our alpha version, which will be a website, that's not going to be out to the public. Uh, I would say the beta probably within the next three months. Sick. Uh, yeah. Wow. Next three months, you oh, should nice. see it. It'll be on the app store. We're not going to de- directly market it. I'll push it for my stuff, but we're actually going into a business to business model first. We're going into the university system um, to sports teams to start because um, we've got some pretty good relationships with stuff like that. So that'll be the kicker for that. Nice. You uh, mentioned earlier about giving out a code uh, to your website. Yes, sir. So let's uh, take care of that. Let's get that out there. That's right. <laughs> That's the shiftadapt.com, right? Shiftadapt.com. Go sign up uh, for the membership under performance. It should be on the front page too. And if they use MB power pod, all caps, that'll get them one month free. There you go. There you go. Just explore around, have fun. We do webinar. The webinars are free to mm-hmm. everybody who is a member. So if you stay a member, you get those for free just based on the membership. That's and probably, we just uh, continually bring in more information. It was probably like seven or eight years ago that you were at super training, right? It was a while, while back, right? Oh, at least, at least. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that video. Cause remember I came, remember I came with, you picked me up from the airport right. in your uh, minivan. That's right. I think I saw that video four or five years ago. Yeah, the like, minivan's oh not God. a myth. It's real. <laughs> <laughs> you were so much bigger back then. Though. Yeah, it was insane, right? <laughs> it's insane. You looked so much younger. <laughs> yeah, going through a time warp. Yeah. Anyway, great to have you on the show. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's great to have... Uh, that experience with you eight years ago when you were working your way up, you know, cl- climbing this uh, fitness ladder, if we're going to call it that. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, look, look where both of us are. I mean, we've both been able to turn this into something, I guess. Right. And so it's right. uh, really cool to, to see the success that you've had. I, I really uh, admire it. And congratulations on a lot of the success. Oh, thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. Same to you, man. I'm, I'm really stoked. You've been able to just, charge away with all this stuff it's really cool to see man yeah we got to have you here in person and um see if you can make us pass out or something yeah <laughs> yeah man, i mean i mean i'm not too far away i, no. I go through there all the time hell yeah <laughs> oh man all right man good having you on the show and uh take care yeah thanks guys awesome. thank, thank you. you see you all right have Appreciate a good day you, you too well. dude i was yeah. like how many times is he gonna make us jog Are we, is he about to make us pass out <laughs> some of it wasn't that bad but like some of it yeah once you started once you kind of got the rhythm of what he was doing then yeah. then the next time around i was like oh no <laughs> <laughs> so then that uh that panic started to set in a little bit quicker yeah before anything happened which yeah, is great yeah 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 um great information Incredible, yeah man. some real Dude. real tangible stuff yeah um, i love the four weeks thing you know what just just fucking do it for a month, man. Yeah. Just do it for a month. It encouraged it, it encouraged me because like I, a lot of times I'm training and then I'm like, well, I want to push a little harder, you know, but then I would 
just in hearing him say that, that was so simple. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, okay. Like I maybe sometimes I'm not giving it enough of a shot because I want to go a little heavier. I want to have a a shorter rest interval. And it's like, no, just stay wherever you're at, whatever, whatever level that means for you, uh, you know, do it with nasal breathing. Kind of reminds me of Donnie Thompson years ago would do a lot of his dynamic effort squats without a belt. And the reason why he did it without a belt was to prevent prevent him from using too much weight on a day where he's supposed to move the weight fast mm. and explosive. Mm -hmm. So in this case, our intent is to, you know, breathe a little bit better. Here's a great way to gain access to it. Most of the people that listen to the show are already on their way and already into lifting. So it just, it just seems too easy not to try. Absolutely. Yeah. Right after I read the oxygen advantage, when I told you about it, that's exact. That's what I did. I didn't do just for we I didn't like just say oh, I'm going to do this for four weeks but right. I was just like I shut my mouth I'm just going to try and do everything just through my nose and by doing that like I mean yeah there are periods where things were pretty hard but just kind of got easier and easier and easier and now it's just like it's the it is the you know the normal mode of everything I do mm -hmm. and it makes such a big difference yeah. like I got so pumped when I heard him talking about like the 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 study that uh, Andy Galpin did mm -hmm. and the recovery because like I've been feeling this for years and it's just like, it makes sense. Like it makes so much sense. It's crazy. It's starting to add up. Yeah. I can't wait to share everything you said about, um, you know, calming yourself down basically, you know, like you feel how you breathe or exact. I can't remember the exact words that he, he put it in, but I mean, dude, everybody's going to benefit from that. Mm -hmm. We are for sure. But like just being able to tell somebody like, Hey, like notice how you start breathing around a certain person. Like, all right, <laughs> you mm -hmm. may be there, they shouldn't be in your life or whatever it may be. But even if you are in that, that weird, stressful situation, like just controlling your breathing, it's yeah. going to, that's, it's, that's incredible. Dude. I yeah. Or if that. you know you're about to go into a situation that might be a little bit more stressful than normal. Yeah. You yeah. can just control your breathing a little bit. You're probably, you're probably starting out. Maybe it's just a tad more relaxed. Mm -hmm. Might give you the advantage that you, that you need to be a little bit less stressed in the first place. I think that's the thing right there. It's like with that example you mentioned, Andrew, um, if there's a person you, you notice one day, you're like, oh, wow, I start to breathe faster around them. Now you're aware. Now you take the action of slowing things down. Right. Because like, it's like going into a, 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 an interview or talking mm -hmm. to somebody that you're nervous with. <laughs> you can't just avoid it, right? You got to be able to mm -hmm. uh, adjust your state to deal with the situation at hand. I think a lot of the things that he mentioned on this episode are going to give us the tools to be able to be better and be stronger in these situations. Yeah, we got to come out with a shirt that just says "Close your mouth" or "Shut your mouth." Shut your mouth. Yeah. Shut your mouth. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Yeah. The, um, I think it's interesting. Like if you if you end up like texting and stuff. Like I almost sometimes wish that there was like a a, a camera on your face, mm -hmm. like uh, reading the images of your because your face is going to move and twitch. And like I'd imagine like. If you get a text that's like that you're interpreting oh. as bad, mm. you're going to be like, you know, <laughs> and you're <laughs> probably going to be like making noises like that. You don't even really know, but you're like, mm, you know, you're breathing weird and then your shoulders are all weird. You're like hunched over, <laughs> <laughs> like just, just, you know, I don't know. You're getting upset and it's, yeah. it shows through your whole entire system. And there's, uh, there's no ways of hiding that sometimes. And so. You know, if we can learn to breathe and breathe a little bit better before we do something or in preparation of something, um, I really, I really liked a lot of the stuff that he said and, and the mindset stuff uh, was really interesting. And that's where, 
you get into some of that David Goggins type stuff when he's talking about what running does for him and he's yelling. And you're like, why is this guy always yelling at me? Mm-hmm. That's like, that's the way he feels. Cause he's, cause he's fucking running, man. He's exercising hard. If you get in the middle of exercising hard, you're going to feel like wanting to yell at somebody too. Cause you're going to be so encouraged and so enthusiastic about it. You're like, everybody needs to feel this. You know, I don't care who you are. You need to, you need to come on this journey with me and, and uh, run for 48 hours straight or whatever the hell it is he's trying to do coming up. That's why I'm, I'm like, that's one of the things I was actually talking to Andrew about this before. Um, that's why I was really excited to talk to Brian because like, yeah, we have Patrick on, but like Brian said, Patrick is, he folk, he does have some uh, focus on athletes, but it's mainly like a lot of asthmatics. James, James Nestor, I think was someone who like made it to be very general in terms of the population. But Brian is big on focusing on individuals that also take this and exercise. Mm-hmm. Like you, you should have exercise in the mix somehow whether it be lifting, whether it be running, whether it be whatever, walking every day, like that needs to be part of the mix. And how can we use breathing to improve that? And then also improve your life, your mind, your feelings, all that good stuff. Freaking awesome. Yeah. That was great. I like that. I like mm-hmm. this episode a lot, guys. Well, and if you're in a sport where you have an opponent, ooh, it's really intimidating if the other guy doesn't appear like he's working all that mm-hmm. hard. You know, yeah. you're like, what the, I mean, I remember in football, like every once in a while, like you would go against a team that's had a really big running back because mm-hmm. it's just when you're, when you're young, it's hard to just deal with somebody else being just big, mm-hmm. someone's big and strong. And this, this other team would just turn around and just hand the ball to this guy. <laughs> and it seemed like he would just get stronger and stronger, like during the game. And you were like, guys like 240 pounds, you know, the rest of the rest of the, a lot of the other players, uh, they're trying to tackle him, you know, uh, they weigh 180, 190, mm-hmm. and the guy just keeps bulldozing everybody. But it would be one thing if, like, he wore out at some point. But no, third quarter comes around, and he's stronger. Fourth quarter comes around, and it doesn't look like he's his hands aren't on his hips. He's not resting his hands on mm-hmm. his legs or nothing like that. You're just like, oh, he's he's just getting started. <laughs> we better we better we better do something about this quick. Yeah, yeah. reminds me of the, uh, the the Tiger Woods thing <laughs> where uh, when he was going up against um, uh, shit. Mickelson. There you go. Mm-hmm. And you know he had like a smaller club compared to what he what he used, and he mm-hmm. out drove him. Oh, yeah. And he's like, "Do you always you know drive that far with that club?" And he's like, "No, nah, it's usually further." Yeah. And after that, it was he was done. Like he couldn't even get close. He started missing shots, and it was just all bad. That's something you heard Kobe talk a lot about. Mm-hmm. Or even when if, if you would watch him play, like you'd see him looking at his opponent. And he doesn't look tired, but his opponent's like looking at him like. <sighs> right yeah right and then like it's like you know in, in jujitsu when you're rolling with somebody and their mouth is open and they're looking at you in the eye and like you don't look tired <laughs> that is demoralizing <laughs> like that's where like it legit turns into a that's why i think this is i'm happy that a lot of people are learning about this but there's part of me that's like I wish this was my little secret. Yeah, keep it to yourself. <laughs> like, there's a, there's you know. a tiny part, but because like, because like now y'all are gonna know why I don't look like I'm doing anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know the cheat code. You know yeah. the cheat code. In uh, Rocky Three, when uh, Rocky fights against uh, Clubber Lang, he uh, at the end at the end of one of the rounds, there's like a little scrape, you know, in between. And uh, Mr. T says something, and what he said sounded kind of cool, and then Rocky. Kind of had a comeback that sounded a little bit lame, but actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. He says, at least I'm not breathing heavy. And then Clubber Lang says something back to him. And then uh, Rocky says, see you in 60 seconds, because he gets 60 seconds rest. Yeah. And just imagine, like, 
Oh God! Imagine being like you know you're you're Mr. T or or you're you're somebody that normally dominates stuff, right? And now you're in this situation where oh, it seems like this other guy is like up to the task. Like shit, man. Like who am I in the ring with? Like this is going to be harder than normal. You probably still think you got it. Mm-hmm. You got it in the bag because you always do. Uh, but then like they're not getting tired. You're starting to get a little fatigued. You're like this is going a little different than I thought. And then you're kind of blown up at the end of the round they say see in 60 seconds you're like oh yeah see in 60 seconds <laughs> <laughs> stuff starts to wear on you after a while yeah that's a perfect example oh that's tough y'all really? gotta go to that shiftedapp.com go get yourself going yeah for real a month free you guys i'm gonna do dude of course definitely taking advantage of that yeah try to learn how to breathe what's going on with the baby Oh man, so he's learning his voc- how to use his vocal cords, Uh-oh. but um, it's it's crazy talking to Jesse Burdick before everything because he and his wife just had a baby, and he's just like, dude, like you know, you you hear your baby crying, and it's like some like primal instinct or something that's encoded in you where you hear your baby crying, and your stress levels are just like through the roof. And he's like, <laughs> I'm, he's like, I sweat all the time. He's like, but now I'm like literally like just going through shirts left and right because you know my baby's crying. <laughs> and I told him yesterday, I'm like, dude, because of you, like I felt like I was okay because my baby's crying and I'm holding him and. I mean, it's been people commenting on like YouTube, like I'll be in like full sweater, hoodie, like, you know, all kinds of layers and you guys are some t-shirts and it's like, yeah, I'm cold almost all the time. I'm, I'm holding my baby, just wearing a hoodie. And next thing I know, I am like drenched in sweat. A baby is like 5,000 degrees. Those and things he are so is hot, man. a heater. He yeah. is freaking just I don't know what their bacon. deal is. They're He's, like. They're like, hot. They're like a, a baked potato <laughs> where it's like, Literally, wow, yeah. this is still hot. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. But I was telling Jesse, I'm like, dude, I, I was like not panicking, like not full meltdown, but I was just like holding him and he's crying. I'm like, babe, I don't know what to do. And I, but I told Jesse, I'm like, dude, because you explained that that's like something that you go through. I was like, okay, I'm not broken. Like I'm not, you know, falling apart. Mm-hmm. My baby's okay. Like this is just part of it. Um, so yeah, dude, that, that was quite the experience, but he, he's cool. He's, he's a, he's a fun little guy. Although he, he does sleep a lot during the day. And then at night he's just like, what's up everybody. And he doesn't <laughs> want to go to sleep. So he's crying cause he needs to sleep, but he can't fall asleep cause he's crying. Right. And it's like, ah, oh, oh, come on, bruh. Like, let's do this. Let's go to sleep. See, he's probably not quite old enough to do like the stiff back move. Has he done that? Oh yeah. No, oh, is absolutely. he doing that? Yeah. I'm like, Hey, so they cry and they like, they're like in a little ball. Like it's mm-hmm. a little baby, you know, at first and, and you can kind of cradle them pretty good, but then they get like fussy and they start moving around. They start turning all red. They get hot. Mm-hmm. Then you get hot <laughs> and you like, you're trying to like, I don't know, soothe them or whatever. And then it's they start nothing. arching their back real hard oh, and God. slithering away from you. Their socks fall off. Their hat falls off so like all their shit falls he, off he does this thing so if i'm holding him right here his legs strong quick too and his like <laughs> legs kick out and like he keeps scooting this way yeah. and i'm like dude come like you're gonna fall bro where are you gonna to go like, yeah, <laughs> yeah like don't you understand like you're way up here like we're like you know four or five times your like body height right now like if you fall like this is gonna be bad news for you like it really is four seconds in the nose four seconds <laughs> right. out the mouth oh hold. my you, I talk to him like he's an adult, and I do tell him, like, hey, you he's not chill listening. out, you need to breathe, close your mouth, breathe through your nose, 
It's going to be fine. We haven't given you any reason to think that we would like abandon you. You've only been around for, as of today, I think three weeks. Like, chill out. Yeah. You're going to be fine. <laughs> and he's still, he's just like in a rebellious stage right now. Irrational. Like, nah. Yeah, irrational. Somebody's got to talk to this kid. Somebody. Maybe I'll have him listen to a couple of, uh, couple of podcasts. S- like Saturday school episodes. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Some Smelly Bell YouTube channel <laughs> videos. That'd be cool. Something's got to get through to them at some point. Yeah. It's like those billboards, right? You see the same one over and over. It's just a matter of time before that billboard makes sense for them. It's all, it's all really tricky. Like, uh, you sit down with them and like you get them to sleep and you're like, Oh my God, that's so great. I got them to sleep. And then you, the transition though, to try to like put them to bed Mm -hmm. or then you're like, Oh man, like I'm not going to, I'm not even going to test it. Cause if I move, they might wake up. And so I'm just going to stay here. Then you have to pee really bad. And then you're just hoping that somebody walks by at some just point please. and like can get you some water or something because you're sweating and you're getting hot. Yeah. And then, you know, with, <laughs> like with, something's got to change. And then it's like, okay, I look over, I'm holding him. Stephanie's falling asleep. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to bother her at all. But man, I, I ooh, 15 minutes ago, I had to go pee. And it's like, <laughs> all right, well, he's let's pushing right on your bladder. Yeah. And it's like, okay, he's. He wakes up every two hours, so if I calculate, like, I got an hour and a half left, so, I mean, whatever, I can hold it, and then it's just like, oh, shit, here we go, you know, like, you, you just don't want to, and oh, and then the other thing, <laughs> like, uh, our alarm went off in the house as he's asleep, like, oh, shit, like, like, disarm it, passed out totally fine, but, like, I close, like, a drawer in the morning, mm-hmm. and he wakes up, like, oh, my God, like, come on, kiddo. I don't know why that you is. You hear that first little noise that you know they're going to start crying yep. like crazy. Yep. I remember Jake used to, uh, he'd go, <laughs> <laughs> and then it would like be a while. I'd be like, oh, fuck. I'm like, something woke him up, you know? And uh-huh. then he's like, Wah! I was like, oh, <laughs> man. It seemed like the longest pause ever in between that, yeah. you know? It's like somebody yeah. just stabbed him in the stomach or something. What was it's that like noise? you both are just waiting like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> and every once in a while, he would just fall back asleep. So he'd be like, oh, cool. <laughs> and then last night, it was really weird. Uh, we had like, I don't know if it was like a, a gnat or a moth or a mosquito or something. Oh. It just like kind of got in our room. It's just like, whatever. But we have this little nightlight and I can see it like in the, like the shadow and stuff. And I'm like, at first I'm like, whatever. I'm like, what if he messes with Aurelius? I'm like, no, fuck that. So I, I, I got up and, you know, I grabbed a, um, like a, 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 a towel to try, go, to, like, Daddy. to try to kill this thing that's trying to attack my family fast forward i didn't i didn't get it but you know still it was like weird like i never would have gotten up out of bed i mean like, yeah fuck it like i just oh, imagine right. daddy in his boxers like <laughs> yep you just realize what i called you though you didn't even realize i'm <laughs> getting used to it now <laughs> take us uh, on out of here andrew i will and then before i do that let me hit refresh so we did something a little bit different on the uh the the community tab uh we basically just said last comment Gets a shout out. So let me hit refresh. Newest first. So that would be the latest. So basically, uh, whoever made the most recent comment when we check it. And today we have Hector L. So shout out to Hector L for following the channel, for commenting. Let's. Okay. Well, he gave a suggestion as his comment, which was what about comment number one, two, three, four? Like, no, that's not how the the game works, bro. Like we only get one and you happen to be the one. So we appreciate you for following the podcast and playing along. Um, Yeah. If you guys see this and you want to hear your name read on air, make sure you pay attention and you 
comment something. That would be fantastic. All right, that's it for me. Shout out to Element for sponsoring today's episode. DrinkLMNT.com slash Power Project. Again, they're still doing the, there you go. They're still doing the free Element Recharge Pack. All you have to do is pay the $5 shipping and you get eight samples uh, shipped directly to your door. So you guys can try out uh, these these uh, um, electrolytes that we're always talking about. Um, Please make sure you're following the podcast at Mark Bales Power Project on Instagram, at MB Power Project on Twitter. The newsletter just went out. Uh, it was a lot of fun getting in front of the camera. I taught, taught, I instructed, I showed some of the ways that I like to get protein in my diet, like a little bit extra protein. Cool response from everybody thus far. So it's been really just cool to see that. So again, check out the uh, links down in the description. That's going to be the um, uh, sign up link to get the. Um, the newsletter shipped to your email address whenever the hell we come out with one. My Instagram is at I'm Andrew Z, Twitter at I'm Andrew Z as well. And Seema, where are you at? And Seema Yin Yang on Instagram and YouTube at Seema Yin Yang on Twitter. Uh, Mark? At Mark Smelly Bell. Strength is never weakness. Weakness never strength. Catch y'all later. Bye.